Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Jeremy Dobbin here with the young boy Josh Smith. Before we get started with this week's episode of Keeping It Strong Style, uh, we just wanted to talk about uh, John Huber, better known to wrestling fans as Brody Lee and Luke Harper, uh, passing away this weekend, uh, 41 years old. Um, Just a a tragic thing, man. Um, 41, way too young. To go had a wife, kids was just finally getting that real uh, breakout moment that he was looking for. Um, dying of um, a lung issue, not related to COVID, having to go to the Mayo Clinic. Um, you know, apparently this kind of came on not too long after you know dropping the TNT title to Cody, um, and. Know the AEW family kind of keeping the respecting the family's uh, privacy and keeping closer to the vest and yeah this was just an unexpected uh, crazy thing yeah um, I I don't know the last time that um, that a wrestling death really like has hit me the way that the this one with Brody really has um, and I'm not even really sure what it is specifically I I think. Some of the elements you mentioned there, Jeremy, uh, the fact that he was so young, the fact that he does have a family, um, you know, that it seems so untimely and that it was so sudden. And, uh, you know, obviously there were people who knew about his condition, but the general audience, we we knew that there was something going on behind the scenes because there's reports of an injury or, or a condition, but nobody knew the, the severity of this situation. And uh, so... That that's one of the biggest things, but I think part of why this for me at, at least, and I and obviously a lot of other people, because I can't remember the last time an outpouring on social media when when you know a member of the wrestling community passed away has been so pronounced. Um, uh, just to kind of keep it short, I guess for me, um, part of it is just seeing this guy who, by all accounts, really 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 loved wrestling you could tell through his work and i mean um he's somebody that you know uh, us here at, at social suplex we we've been big fans of for a long time i remember for years us discussing how like he was the one guy in the white family that was worth a damn yeah and uh we were always big fans of his work and you know um it was always bewildering why he wasn't kind of Utilized in a more appropriate way because to me he had star written all over him, and then to f- 
finally see him get his chance to leave and do it on his own terms and then to see him succeed was like I don't know I kind of felt like for me as a fan we were there from the beginning um and then to kind of see him get his just due and see him you know secure the bag and everything like that it was something that I was like really proud of um for him you know and then um right when it's all happening to to just see see it end so quickly like i don't know man it kind of messed me up a lot um when i first heard about this whole thing and um it, it's a tragic loss um it, it's really affected the wrestlers the people in the wrestling community anybody that has i, I know you don't talk ill of the dead but it seems that nobody has anything ill to say of him but people are more than happy to share the the great things he's done behind the closed doors the the funny stories the anecdotes the charity you know how charitable he was as a person um how giving he was in the wrestling community um yeah it, it, it's it's heartbreaking yeah it was definitely a devastating loss and yeah like you mentioned just all the great stories and memories um being poured on twitter it's been great see all that stuff and it's just he's just a guy who deserved the world you know I, the first time i saw him was in ring of honor doing the the hd net days and just kind of watching him climb the ranks there and then eventually going to be and then now to aew um there's just so much more left for him to do you know he talked about wanting to go to new japan uh we're never going to get that you know he was supposed to make his big debut in his hometown right for aw never got that pop never got a real aw full arena crowd um during his run there which is uh just sad because the fans the aw fans a full audience would have you know just ate his whole act up um and so yeah he has to serve the world and you know so many things that he should have been able to accomplish and so many things that he's not gonna be able to do and it's just really sad um and so, uh, yes, yeah, it's a tough loss. You know, AEW is going to be honoring him by the time you guys hear this tonight, uh, Wednesday Night Dynamite, uh, a card book, uh, especially for a lot of the guys that he worked with and for his son, uh, Brody Jr., or Negative One of the Dark Order, as they're calling him. Um, it's going to be a lot of matches um, featuring his favorites and just people that Brody worked with. So, uh, one, one last thing, and I, I guess I'll leave it at this on my end. Um, I think one of the reasons, too, that it's so affecting is, you know, 41 is not that far off from our ages. You know, uh, it's not like a whole another generation or anything like that. Um, and if you've ever heard Brody Lee talk about wrestling, talk about wrestling history, any of the like interviews he did, I mean, it was very apparent that like he, he had a deep, deep passion for the wrestling industry. And I think you can kind of see a lot of yourself in him if if you're within this certain age range, you know. And it, it's not hard to identify with somebody that, um, you know, aspired for more, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people feel that way. And, you know, to see somebody succeed in spite of the perceptions that, that kind of go against them, you know, um, and see them persevere was something that I think like was pretty awesome. And, uh, like you said, there, there were a lot of things he could, he still could have, you know, um, accomplished, but I mean, like everything that he did, everything, I think his legacy is going to far outreach what maybe he himself would have realized, uh, he would have left behind, uh, unfortunately. So yeah, I think, um, 
I think Brody Lee is going to leave a, a big hole, you know, in this wrestling industry. And, uh, you know, like I said, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, still still wrapping my mind around the whole situation. Um, yeah, because it doesn't feel real. Yeah, I'm, I'm waiting to just wake up from, from it and just be like, oh, you know, it's a, it's a bad dream. Like, Brody, he's going to be on Dynamite tomorrow. But, fortunately, that's not the case. Um, so, condolences to uh, his family. And thoughts and prayers with them And uh, just supporting them During this uh, difficult time And we will be back shortly Here in a moment The following is brought to you by The Social Suplex Podcast Network Hello This is Zack Sabre Jr New Japan Cup winner 2018 And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style With my mates Enjoy Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, keeping it strong style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chill and let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your host jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening welcome to keeping a strong style the ace of podcasts on the social suplex podcast network jeremy donovan here with the young boy josh smith and chris samsa on today's show, we'll be previewing Wrestle Kingdom 15, answering your questions, and covering all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Tea store, prosentees.com slash social suplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking the donate button under the Keeping a Strong Style logo. And this week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It will take NJPW World to the next level. Visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. And like you heard in the intro, we are joined by Chris Samsa from SportsProWrestling.com and VoicesOfWrestling.com. Chris, how you doing, man? Hey, I am good. I am stoked to be here and talk about the upcoming Wrestle Kingdom. It is Tokyo Dome season. Let's get it. Samsa, how I've missed your voice. The voice behind the stats. <laughs> <laughs> Acting like I haven't. We, we didn't just talk for 10 minutes before we got on there. Right. <laughs> Listen, no one needs the curtain raised on that. Dude, dude, Josh loves to pull, you know, look, the curtains open for the for the fans. Oh, that's because yeah. Why can't you act like I just dialed in? I'm finally here. <laughs> I totally big leagued you, and like Jeremy just finished well, the intro, and I'm just like walking through the curtain. Well, a I am a curtain jerker, but b uh, you definitely <laughs> did big league us because you showed up late to this, you know. Yo, I haven't done audio since the G1, and I've got this new, like, office setup situation here because um, my wife needed a desk in the office because we're getting our kitchen remodeled, and, like, that just took over the whole rest of the house. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. 
my microphone's not anywhere near me, so I got to get this whole thing squared <laughs> away. So I'm back in my element. I'm ready to do. Uh, this is my first Wrestle Kingdom audio of this year's preview tour, as I like to call it. Uh-oh. And um, so you guys, you guys get it all here first. As as always, I feel like I always uh, get to jump in with you guys before I do anything else. So you're yeah. the you're the test dummies, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> you get the the freshest takes here from Chris on this episode, so you can listen back to all his other stuff and be like well he said something completely different on keeping a strong style <laughs> no by the end of it you'll be like he's so tired <laughs> why why does he do this to himself <laughs> just trying to make friends around here well we're happy to have you back man and happy you know it's wrestle kingdom season we'll be breaking down uh both nights here but I think first we've got to touch on what's going on in Tokyo with the COVID outbreak uh, there was an all-time record of 888 cases, <laughs> which which is laughable compared to what's going on here in the U.S. Um, but that that's big for what's going on in Tokyo. 888 cases on December 23rd, and so the the government is requesting no events take place with more than 5,000 fans. So I know a lot of people kind of had questions what was going to happen with Wrestle Kingdom. New Japan put out a statement saying, in light of restrictions imposed on large-scale events in Tokyo, no further ticket sales will be sold. For either night of Varsin Presents Wrestle Kingdom 15, January 4th and 5th, 2021, as of Tuesday, December 29th, there will be no event day tickets sold for the event. So pretty much any tickets they've already sold are good. Uh, but yeah, no no walk-up sales and no, you know, they're not going to hit that 20,000 cap that they were expecting to hit for both nights. I think one of the... Uh you know, kind of confusing things for me was I read several different like reports and granted they were all in Japanese. So it was like, there was kind of bad, maybe bad translations or, you know, conflicting information. But in one of them, I saw that they were saying like, it was 5,000. That's the cap. And if, you know, if they'd already pre-sold and not speaking of new Japan, but they talked about other like football leagues and things like that. If they'd already Sold more than 5,000 They were saying that they were going to have to refund a portion of it But then it looks like for some reason New Japan's not having to do that I, I don't know I, I think From what I understand they're not that far over the cap anyways Like somewhere between 5 and 9k Something like that um, For each night But yeah it's, it's capped at this point And it's done what, what, Whatever it is that's what it is Yeah I've heard I heard Better than that was the last kind of, uh, I, I heard just over 11,000, at oh, least for the good. first night, um, which is, I mean, I guess good considering the circumstances. It's going to be a different environment, clearly, um, but I don't think it's anything kind of out of their norm at, the, at this point. And, and who knows how they set the building then um, or what requirements are set for how the building should be set up to promote social distancing and things of the sort. But yeah, I don't, I don't have any idea why they could continue selling through the 29th maybe that's when the kind of edict went into place i don't i don't know i i haven't asked anybody there but um i'm sure you guys saw that chris charlton had to tweet that wrestle kingdom was not canceled yeah, I saw that. yeah. If, if you googled wrestle kingdom 15 i think sometime yesterday it just came up canceled which um is obviously not the truth that's weird. luckily um yeah absolutely i mean you know it, it this is Make no mistakes about it. It is going to be different, but th- this Wrestle Kingdom is going to be different anyways. I mean, they still we're going to have all the same clap crowd implementation, you know, in place. So it's not like they're, we're going to have a raucous, 
you know, 40, 50 K, <laughs> you know, right. like, like the last couple of years. So, I mean, either way it, it is going to be a challenge uh, in a different atmosphere, but like, like you mentioned, Chris, we don't know what the setup's going to be or how they're going to space it out or, you know, they might tarp some of it off. I don't know. Right. I mean, and it's still wrestle kingdom. It's still the Tokyo dome. It won't be the smallest crowd ever in a Tokyo dome for a match. Cause Minoru Suzuki uh, has, you know, competed in the in an empty Tokyo Dome, so at yes. least they got that going for them. <laughs> yeah. Keep them off the bottom of that list. Yeah, yeah. it's going to definitely be interesting setup there. So yeah, that's going to be a little bit different atmosphere this year for Wrestle Kingdom. But like you guys said, it's Wrestle Kingdom. It's still the biggest event, still the biggest stage, and I'm sure a lot of these guys are going to be coming out here and giving it their all for this uh, this big moment here. And uh, after that, we had a question from Sam, but I think we should actually go to. Dan's question before we get to Sam's because Sam's going to lead right into the you know to what we're doing yeah so a friend of the show Dan Coffin asked why is there no six man never open weight title match on either night because fuck them belts (laughs) (laughs) hey those belts have been brought back to prominence by one Yoshihashi but um, (laughs) yes that's true to be honest maybe they they are doing their best to keep the amount of people on these cards small um and you can see that with a lot of singles matches there's no big six eight man tags that are previewing like the following night or the previous night like we saw last year on the double down double dome yeah so i think i mean that could have something to do with it um that that would be my my best guess is that to be perfectly honest, they're they're not concerned with getting more people on the card. They're actually concerned with keeping fewer people um, safe, or keeping sorry, keeping more people safe and keeping fewer people kind of in the locker room and and having to go through their what it would my understanding is a pretty strict um, you know COVID testing regimen. That is true, but they are doing the the twenty two man Rambo, you know, right? Uh, but who knows? You know, that's that's going to be like at, you know staggered entry. So I'm I'm doubting you're going to see a lot of people in the ring at the same time. You'll probably see a lot of quick eliminations in that thing. But um, my 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 thinking here, it's double edged. It's like okay, would it be great to highlight the titles and have them on the show, give them you know a big spot on the biggest show of the year? Sure, but it's usually in a match that nobody cares about, and since. It's not going to, they're not doing the match. I mean, not to say people aren't entertained by it. They are entertained by it, but everyone kind of knows what the deal is. The gauntlet is a throwaway match, and that's usually what this would have been. And instead, we're getting the Rambo, which I prefer. And I think we'll probably see the six mans highlighted, maybe even in the main event of the uh, New Year's Dash, most likely. So, I mean, I don't think it's a bad call at all because. You know, usually get you get some meaningless title change in the dome every year. As funny as that sounds, but it, it usually doesn't matter. Whoever wins that belt, it's it kind of just resets, and now Yoshihashi's uh, reign can continue. <laughs> yeah. Well, and they had to. They clearly had to get the KOPW involved. So oh, I mean, God. there's only so much room for so many titles. You're jumping right. ahead. <laughs> yeah, KOPW so has to be highlighted. <laughs> Um, and also, yeah, kind of like what you were saying, because I think they wanted to, we've seen since they come back from the pandemic, they had this six match format for the cards. So I think, you know, they they had their six, they want to do six matches both night. And again, they had to get those the big highlight matches in and then kind of squeeze in whatever else they could. So, yeah, you're saying six man or six match uh, format, but they didn't do that when on the first night of the World Tag League slash Super Juniors. Right. Well, that was the exception. Um that was the first show that we had in a long time that had what well, that ten matches on the card. 
Yeah, let's cut that back down to six. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you guys watched those shows. They were long. They yeah. got a little long. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, but Sam B, Sir Sam, has asked us, so I know where I can get an edge in our wrestling headlines prediction column. What are your guys' picks? And guess what, Sam? That's what this episode is all about. We're going to be giving you our picks, our analysis. So let's jump right into it. Wrestle Kingdom 15, night one. Yeah, so night one is going to open up with the return of the New Japan. I have Rambo slash Rambo because there was an article that came out on New Japan World calling it the Rambo, mentioning like the Japanese translation for the word Rambo, meaning like... Um, I think it was like wild fear, something something like wild and crazy, something like that. So, but I've seen other places on the site where it's called Rambo. Yeah, so, yeah, fuck that. I'm calling it the Rambo with an M, like Rambo, because that's what I've known it as for the last six years or so, and I'm not changing now for anybody. I don't care. <laughs> Chris, are you, the are you, official uh, NJPW English website does say New Japan Rambo. All right, so so you're saying the same thing as me, Rambo. Ram Rambo, right? And Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's go with Rambo. Forget the Japanese translation. You know what I think it was? Is my this was always my understanding was that it was a bad pronunciation or a bad translation. And I think they're trying to fix it. Like, no, no, no. We weren't saying Rambo. We were saying Rambo. <laughs> Y'all messed up. And and here's what it really I think it's a retcon, bro. That's what I think. Could be. But it's back, uh, you know, it's been gone the last couple of years, and so they're bringing it back here to open up the show. And But unlike previous years, it's going to come down to the final four instead of the final one person. And then the final four people would then advance to night two for the fatal four-way to determine the first uh, provisional 2021 King of Pro Wrestling. It's basically Royal Rumble 1997. <laughs> uh, so got the Rambo here and question here from Reddit user PSA91 says, Are you happy to see the return of the Rumble on night one of Tokyo Dome, even though it's wrapped up with some nonsense KOPW stipulation? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I second that. Uh yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm happy to see it back. And he says, Speaking of KOPW, how upset are you to see that it will continue? In 2021, is there any way that can redeem the KOPW concept in 2021? You know, I don't know. Maybe here, here's my thing, and maybe Chris, you can enlighten us because you, you run in some pretty lofty circles. Okay, you got friends high up there. We had heard, <laughs> he's shaking his head. We, we had heard that they were doing away with this thing because you know the fans over there were outraged and not happy about it. And then turns turns out. They're doubling down on this shit. So what's the deal? I am not the booker. <laughs> I want to be very clear. I do not book New Japan. But um, listen, I think I think we know where it's slotted now. I think New Japan knows where it's slotted. Yeah. And I think I think it, I, there's a place for it. I don't I don't think that it's irrelevant, but I also don't think it. Um, is what they thought it was going to be f- at the beginning. So, um, you know, I mean, they had Okada announce this thing. Right. So that's that's a lot bigger than, than having Toriyano carry it around. So, you know, and Yano was the perfect, the perfect first champion, I guess, you know, I mean, when it comes down to it. So 
can it be saved? I, you know, I think it is what it is. And I think it's, it, it's something that um, it gives a lot of guys something to do. Um, and in a better way than like chasing someone around an arena for a 24 seven championship or, or wrestling a blow up doll, at least they're getting in the ring. So, I mean, and, and this is kind of new Japan's take on those types of, um, of championships. Um, if, if it's up to me, if I want this thing to actually get interesting, I'm putting it on Minoru Suzuki. Mm. My- and cause, cause he's a guy who's done a lot of different types of matches and he, I think could have he could do some something fun with it. When we were doing our news story of the year, um, I thought that the announcement of KOPW needed to be on the list, and Jeremy did not want it on there initially. And I was like, Okada announced it; it has to be a news story. <laughs> it doesn't matter how it turned out. Initially, it was a big deal, <laughs> right? But um, you, you know, can't just bury things you don't like. <laughs> yes, we can. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. You know, you say some stuff that that sounds pretty good, but ultimately, my biggest problem with it is the whole idea was that it was going to be some sort of deal where it was based on stipulations and the fans were going to vote each and every time. And then they've kind of sometimes they voted, sometimes they haven't. Sometimes they're voting, but the stipulations are kind of the same thing. It'd be like, do you want a hardcore match or a street fight? It's the same shit. (laughs) Yeah, and and then with the Fale and Yano, it's like, do you want a uh, buy slam match or do you want a buy slam match and a last corner pass standing match? That's what I mean. (laughs) It's kind of nonsensical. But um, the the only thing I could say that maybe could quote-unquote redeem it is they only had it around for a little bit last year. Maybe if they actually book some stories around it. I'm not saying it needs to be a highlight. Like you mentioned, Chris, it's an opening act sort of title. If that's what it's going to be relegated to, I am totally fine with that. Uh, You know, if it's just opening show fodder, but one thing I think they should do, I think they should start having some actual stipulations that are actual stipulations, not just variants of regular rules matches. I'm not saying always, but maybe at dominion, you do a cage match or a bull rope match or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, I think that one thing that could help too is to if it was more like the Proteges title in uh was that in Rev Pro, where like the champion picks like one match stipulation while they're the champion. So let's say Yano's a champion, so his one and only stipulation is going to be last corner pass standing match. So every KOPW match while Yano's a champion is that. And then let's say Suzuki beats him, and every Suzuki wants every match to be, you know, a bull rope death match. And then going forward, every it's every KOPW match of the bull rope death, death match. What was the death match he was doing uh, when he was the IC champ? He did two of them. Was it was it bull rope death match twice? I think he did one with Yano and one with Elgin, and they both sucked. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, yes, you're. Or maybe, that's familiar. Or maybe it was strap match. I don't remember. Yeah, I think yeah, I think one was with Yano for sure. Well, anyways, I, mean, I think it was just strap matches. Yeah, we got any predictions? I got my I got my four guys ready to go. Chris, you you got your four? I don't, but maybe by the end of it, yeah, I like, will. But like what I will say, what I want to say before I forget is that, like, I actually think that this is the perfect um, stakes for the Rambo. Like, oh, I yeah. think that this, like, right? So, like, they go from the Rambo to just a four, you know, a four way match the next 
the next night, which I think is, I think this is actually like a really good usage of the match, like the Rambo, instead of having it be for nothing. Right. So I, I, I am, I'm, I'm kind of into that. Um, and these are, that's the level of guys that I think are, are fighting for KOPW. So this is actually a, a huge step forward. Now, why don't you guys go through your four and I'll steal two from each of you <laughs> and then I'll sound really smart when I'm right. Well, I think you're gonna have to steal at least three from me. Cause I think three of my picks are deadlock center. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying there pretty much. Um, I think number one. You got to go with Ishii and you got to go with Suzuki because they're two of the biggest names that just have nothing going on and they make a lot of sense to be included. I could see them snubbing Ishii, but I don't see a lot of names in the personnel of his stature that deserve to be in something like this. So I think they throw him a little bone. My third pick, and these are the three that I think are locks. Yano has to be in this because he's already the former champion emeritus however you want to do it (laughs) um and i don't think that you can do this gimmick without him and i think he's also one of the bigger names and then at the end of it you got a smorgasbord of you know competitors of guys you want to pick i'm gonna pick fale because i don't know he just makes sense to me i mean yeah yeah, so uh, I have a lot of similar names here. I, I think Ishii, Suzuki, and Yano are also a lock. This makes sense with those three guys. Our three guys are typically would have either maybe a tag title match or be in a never title match or a never six-man match. So those are pretty big names that aren't really doing much, so I feel like you can get those guys in there. Um, and then, yeah, the four spot is kind of toss-up. Farley makes a ton of sense. I think Goto is another guy that makes sense because he's not doing much, even though then you would have three chaos guys in there against uh, Suzuki. Maybe Hanare. Uh, Hanare does. It's another guy that could fit in there. Despy. Yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, there's a lot of guys. Yeah, Shell, we've seen Shell compete in, you know, the, the lead up in the KOPW against Sonata. There's a lot of guys you can throw out there. Well, remember Despy was in the other four-way. Yeah, so Despy was in there also, yeah. So there's a lot of guys. I mean, well, Despy's going to be in a tag title match on night oh, two. you're right. That so, might, so he's out. I, I wasn't even... I forgot about that. Yeah, so but I'm also gonna go with Fale. I think with him uh, <laughs> feuding with Yano for the you know the the KOPW 2020 at the end there, right. it makes a, t- a ton of sense there. You can even have Fale win the match and you know kind of get revenge over Yano and start the year off. You know Nagata and Makabe kind of makes sense too because it doesn't really matter. Right, Makabe just coming back from making his movie that works. Uh, Nagata coming off a great 2020 that works as well. Liger. <laughs> Surprise entrance, big pop. I think I think the only name that you guys haven't mentioned that I would throw into the mix is Taguchi. Oh, oh yeah. Well, he's, he's well, he's facing he's the tag title match tonight too. Yeah, it's him and Watto. Yeah, but this seems right up his alley. <laughs> I mean, it, it really does, um, yeah. especially after Best of Super Juniors. He didn't. He you know he wasn't. Uh, big match to gooch very very frequently there so um yeah that's the only name that you guys threw i you know this it's kind of a toss-up um i'm, I'm hopeful that it moves away from yano and into something a little bit different yeah. um i mean if, i don't know if they put the title on uh suzuki like you mentioned he could do some really cool stuff with it yeah yeah that yeah. could be a lot of fun you know yoshihashi someone we didn't throw out there and he's not doing shit hey he's uh, He's the never six man champion. <laughs> uh, he's he all three belts. 
They're all his. <laughs> let's, throw, let's just do Doki. Why not? I, I would like that. I bet sure. You, I bet you they go with Bushi. And <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think uh, we've spent a lot of time. Uh, I think we all love the Rambo. But uh, let's get to the, to the actual action well, here. Before we go, we had a question here from uh, Mazza saying, could we expect any surprise entrance in the New Japan Rambo? And who is your out-of-left-field pick to be that surprise entrant? I don't think we're going to because my biggest, unless they've been quarantining, you know, for two weeks and, and been tested and all that sort of shit, I find it hard to believe they're going to include some of the surprise fun people from the past like they normally do. But if they were going to do somebody from outside, I don't know. I'll, I'll just throw someone, I don't know, great Sasuke. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think we're gonna see anyone that hasn't wrestled for New Japan, you know, within the last calendar year. So no Muto? Muto. <laughs> Isn't he busy? Yeah, he's got a GHC title to win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like Chris mentioned earlier, like they've been pretty strict with their their COVID protocol and, you know, who's going to be at the show and kind of trying to limit the amount of people there. So I would be highly surprised if they got some kind of surprise entrance. You know what? What, what about uh, Milano Collection AT? No, he's, he can't wrestle. <laughs> he gets off the commentary booth and, you know, gets dumped over pretty quickly or something like that. Jerry, Jerry Lawler's. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one person from outside that I was like, maybe they made it there in time and maybe they could be quarantining and maybe they could be an option is like Hickaleo. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. doesn't matter. I mean, it doesn't, it does matter, but it doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, I think it's going to be, it'll be fun. your typical, your typical group. Yeah. Uh, you know, guys that you'd see in the Rambo and and, you know, coming down to the final four is interesting, too, because that's a it's unorthodox. Right. Usually you get down to the final four and you're like, all right, these are the four guys. Right. You know, right. they each take a corner. You get you swell the crowd a little bit. I think that um, it'll be a little alarming when all of a sudden there's like you, you realize there's only five guys left and and yeah, you know, someone's got to go over it. Yeah. I think the last well I think what they'll probably do is they'll probably have like a final six or seven and then have like three of them get rolled out or whatever or you know and then have those last four or you know what it'll probably be they'll probably have four guys in the ring <laughs> they'll probably have four guys in the ring and you think that those are the four and then Yano rolls from underneath and drops one of them out <laughs> <laughs> yeah I could easily see that happen or like hits I, him, he hits him with the fucking turnbuckle pad <laughs> and, they, and they fly out of the ring and that's the way it ends <laughs> Sure. <laughs> didn't didn't Kakihara win this last time? He did, yeah. Yeah, and I was mad confident. I was like, Bushi's for sure winning this. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, now let's move on to the first, you know, big opening matchup here. We have the Super J Cup 2020, 2020 winner, the headbanger, El Fantasmo, taking on the best of the Super Junior 27 winner, Hiromu Takahashi, and the winner here will face the current IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, the Bone Soldier Taiji Ishimori, on night two. My apologies, Jeremy. I questioned your credibility when I said that Phantasmo called out Hiromu Takahashi by name at the uh, Super J Cup. And you said that I was incorrect, and I thought that you were wrong, but I went back and listened to it, and you were absolutely right. I should have, I should never doubted you. <laughs> little little edit, editing magic there that they did there. Yeah. 
So what are we thinking, guys, here? ELP versus Romeo. I believe this is the first time matchup. This is the first time these two have ever wrestled. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, ELP, he's really been, I mean, like, super J-Cup aside. Obviously, he won all those matches, but he's 12-2 and two in 2020 overall. That includes tag matches. So he's... He's a strong competitor. He obviously didn't get a ton of um, ring time, but he, you know, he's credible. He's yeah. credible. So I, I think that that's what makes this really interesting. And then also it being first time, you know, big, big time stakes for Hiromu to try to get back to the dome, going, trying to go through two Bullet Club juniors that are both uh, honestly have been really strong this, this year or even just the past two years. So I think this as kind of the, singles opener or the big match opener right right behind the rambo like this is going to be this is going to be a good match i i think this match has the potential to be a really really good match especially stylistically i think uh, anyone that's a listener might is probably aware i'm not the biggest El Fantasmo fan but i'm quite aware of his like physical you know prowess and you know you match him up with a high flyer crazy guy like Hiromu Takahashi plus Hiromu's so beloved and ELP is so good at getting heat. And there's also the intrigue that they've never wrestled before. ELP's never... Uh, I think ELP was in the Dome last year, but it was like in a really quick little junior tag match. So Against Rapungi 3K. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is like his coming out party for a lot of people. And uh, I think he's going to be looking to make a name for himself. I think this match has... A, a lot of potential and a lot of the recipes that you know or a lot of the ingredients in a recipe that you'd look for for a great great match i'm actually more intrigued by this match than either of the um second night matches with a uh, with taiji shimori just because these are two guys that i could see slotted in like a super junior final and we've never gotten it before so it's it's you know it's kind of the unknown but ultimately for me, and I'll throw out my prediction right now, El Fantasma winning doesn't make a lot of sense for me unless they're doing something where they're going to like split off Taiji Ishimori or I think either way, I think whoever wins Ishimori's jobbing too because they got to get the belt off of him. The way they booked the uh, best of the super juniors and he was like on an underling the entire tour shows you where they see him at this current time in, in, in you know, the pecking order. So either way, he's losing to one of these guys. And I don't know that there's enough legs to stand on for a Phantasmo Ishimori feud or match right now. They could do that. It might be interesting. But uh, I think the more conventional, typical story that makes sense, especially with how big a star he is, I think Hiromu wins here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this match. Uh, I think it's going to be a great matchup, especially being like the, the, the first like opener of the main card. I think these guys are going to go out here and try to kill it. Um, and yeah, with Hiromu, the way, the way he wrestles, I think it, he's going to get a great match. Whether you like ELP or not, I think it's going to end up being a great matchup here. Like you mentioned, Chris, yeah, the company definitely is very high on El Fantasmo, back-to-back Super J-Cup winner. Um, and it's protect, protected pretty strong for the most part, especially you know last year when he kind of made his debut and. Uh, ran through his run through Super Juniors and just kind of you know attacked stuff Ishimori, uh, but like Josh is saying, from a booking and story uh, standpoint, I think Hiromu makes the most sense to win here. Uh, plus, you know Taiji beat Hiromu at Jingu, so this could be Hiromu's you know revenge here to 
get, get the title back from Taiji Ishimori. And I just don't think a ELP Taiji Bullet Club versus Bullet Club match makes the most sense right now. Who do you guys think is maybe you maybe you know this, but who who do you think is older, Hiromu or El Phantasmo? Um, I think El Phantasmo yeah, is older, right? Yeah, Phantasmo. He is, yeah. He's 34. Um, so, you know, that's not to say he's old by any means, but it, with the junior style, um, he may not have a million years left at the top level. So somehow, some way, I feel like this year he's going to get to that top level. He's, Agreed. He's, he's certainly worked his, his tail off to get there. The two Super J Cup victories, he's just he's got to do it in Japan. And that's what we haven't seen completely. He had a really good best of the Super Juniors last year, but um, couldn't, you know, couldn't quite take it to that next level. But I do think we're going to see Phantasmo, assuming he does some work in Japan this year. Like, obviously, that's still up in the air of what that's going to look like. But um, if he's involved in best of Super Juniors or even just getting himself some IWGP uh, Junior Heavyweight Championship matches, I think that we're going to see him elevate is now the right time for him is, 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 you know, is he, has he heated himself up enough to, you know, just get a championship match against his faction mate in Taiji Ishimori? No, probably not. I don't think so. I think Hiromu's the guy. I think Hiromu's someone, especially because the, you know, jumping ahead to the next night, this is the semi-main. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. That, so I, I think, I think that's Hiromu's spot. Yeah, and I do think though that I mean, Josh and I we talked about this. I do think Phantasmo could come into play in the second night, where you could have Phantasmo, you know, try to help Ishimori win, and that backfires. Hiromu wins, and that causes a tension between ELP and Taiji. And there's a lot of people who think that ELP is Empire bound um, and could be a potential member of the Empire. Uh, you know what? I hadn't heard that from anybody, but I was like, I thought that was going to be my little hot take. I was like, everyone thinks it's Eagles, but it's really might be ELP. <laughs> but I didn't know other people, you know, were on the same wavelength. Yeah, I've seen a few other people kind of throw that theory out there. And so you could have this be the catalyst that splits Phantasma off from Bullet Club when he accidentally causes Taiji the title. That's something that could definitely, I mean, they, there's a lot of ways they could do that. Uh, the, the one thing I think that, and we'll move on, but the one thing I think ELP has going for him in favor of maybe headlining the second night is if they were like, we're going to make him a star, we're going with the guy, so he is going to get the you know the semi-main event spot, and it's a match that they've never done before, him and, T, or him and uh, Taiji Shimori, because I don't think they were in the same block last year during uh, Super Juniors, were they? I don't think so. I'm pretty no, they definitely weren't because Ishimura was in the A block and he was in the B block with uh, Osprey. Right. So that's the one, and I still think it's Hiromu, but the one thing that he might have going for them is they like to do matches that they've never done before. You know, at Wrestle Kingdom, and we've seen Hiromu and uh, and um, Ishimori, Ishimori yeah. multiple times in the recent past. I mean, this would be their third match within you know. A quote unquote calendar year. So, I mean, that that is fitting because it ends the trilogy. But I could maybe see them going with the LP, but I'm still, I'm hedging my bets and going through Romu. Yeah, I just have a tough time seeing ELP, you know, burn through Super Jacob the way he did. 
And then I, you know, I think the level of talent that was in best of the super juniors was so significantly higher. Um, not no, you know, no knock at anyone who was in Jacob, but you know, a single elimination tournament versus a block, you know, you, you, you put it all together and Hiromu is the guy who's ready for this. Definitely. You're saying Hiromu is better than ELP. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying he's more seasoned currently. <laughs> ELP is coming off a long layoff and clearly a long trip to Japan. Let's uh, let's talk about these uh, junior te- or these uh, IWGP heavyweight tag team titles, Dangerous Techers against uh, the Gorillas of Destiny. Yeah, so we have the current IWGP tag champs, Dangerous Techers, God. They won the World Tag League for the first time, so they broke. The World Tag League curse, and now they're going to be looking to break the Tokyo Dome curse. We've seen in the last several years that the tag team titles are titles that seem to switch hand every year. Uh, God lost it last year to Finn Juice, so and they've gone to the dome, I believe, three or four times as the tag champions and have not left the title. So this will be an opportunity for them to walk in as the challengers and to leave the dome with the championships. So pretty big matchup here for God. I mean, these are two of the top teams that we've seen. So Dangerous Techers, they've they've been the top team during the pandemic era, have held it down with their feud with Golden Ace. Um, And G.O.D. um, has been, you know, a centerpiece of the tag division for years and years now. And so you you kind of have, like, the new ace tag team against, like, the old ace tag team, so to speak. Not not to mention the work they've been doing on Strong. I mean, they've been running roughshod over the tag team division in America. I mean, they've been beating up, you know, Justin Gabriel – Fred Rosser, everybody. <laughs> uh, God has lost three straight IWGP tag team title matches in the Tokyo Dome. So 17, 19, and 20. So that's the other monkey on their back, it seems. Yeah, let's uh, let's make it four, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on this match? I I have enjoyed Dangerous Techers, you know, so much. I think that both those guys could um, splinter off and do go back to you know singles competition in in their various divisions. But I think that I don't I, I don't think they're done, you know, kind of putting over the tag team or the tag division. So and I I think Girls of Destiny are. They're good. I think Tomatonga looks great with his haircut and shave. Like it's it's a it's all it's all good. But I think that there's a good chance that they're going to get wrapped up in whatever's going to whatever's happening in Bullet Club because clearly something's still happening. Um, and I, I I think that the tag situation. I think that you know Zach and Taichi have just been so good that I think. Maybe this is the year that somebody retains the tag team title at Wrestle Kingdom. Is that is that your official pick? Yeah, you're going Dangerous T. Yeah. Wow. What God a- can't they can't they can't get both monkeys off their back in, <laughs> oh in, in like the span of a couple months. Chris living dangerously. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am going with uh, God. I think um, you know my, my my big theory is on the big shows they like to switch titles. It just makes all the sense in the world to go with G.O.D. Um, and, and I can totally, I, like, from a personal standpoint, I like Dangerous Techers way more than I like G.O.D. But there's just so many reasons that you could go with G.O.D. over Dangerous T. Like, like you mentioned, Chris, they could easily splinter off and go singles. 
And I think that they're established enough as a tag team that you can throw them back together whenever called upon and they got the credibility that that they can just do that again, you know? I don't think you can do that with, say, Golden Ace necessarily, but Dangerous T, they're in the same faction. It's, like, kind of an established thing. So there's that. And I do think G.O.D. needs to kind of get both monkeys off their back, the main reason being that they're kind of considered, in kayfabe, one of the greatest tag teams ever in the history of New Japan, but this is, like, the one other thing that they've never accomplished they kind of need to get a big win in the dome after winning the World Tag League, you know? Um, so I just think that it makes sense. The other big thing is, like, obviously there's a lot of restrictions na- right now. I don't know what's happening, but I, I think people are still maybe hoping for a potential Guns and Gallows thing down the road. And if they come back and they're involved in this split, it it's just so natural that you would have those two teams, them and G.O.D. as the two teams on the opposite ends. If they are going to eventually do a civil war, which I think they're angling for, I think you I think you need the title to be involved in that program. And I think it makes all the sense in the world to just put the belts on G.O.D. Yeah, so I'm also going with Gorillas of Destiny here. Uh, my, my heart says Dangerous Takers, and my head is telling me G.O.D. <laughs> um, j- just for the fact of the state of the tag team division, like if Dangerous Takers beats G.O.D., then who do they face? Like there's not a, a ton of tag teams there that are ready and willing to go, especially now Juice is out with the orbital bone in- injury, so you can't pull Finn Juice up. Um, there's not many teams to pick, so I feel like for the first quarter – of this year, the, the main tag feud is probably going to be Dangerous Tickets versus G.O.D. So you have G.O.D. get the win here, beat Tickers, and then these two teams can kind of go back and forth with the belts in the first quarter of the year. You know, New Beginning Tour, you have these guys feud, that new show that they're going to be doing, and it's like Joe Hall, maybe Dangerous Tickers get the, gets the belts back there in February, and then you kind of, kind of extend this program. It's not just a one-and-done kind of thing. Yeah, I think that that's fair. I think that's that's fair to believe that that's what's going to happen. But no, you're wrong. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Trust me, I, no, I would just, I would love I'm to not... see uh, a black Zack Driver or Zack Mephisto in here. You know, Milan Collect- Collection AT dangerous with that uh, that backdrop driver on either Tam or, or Tanga. Why so- it gotta be a black Zack Driver? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, you know, I just I think they've been so good. They've been they've been good in ring. They've been great promo. Um, so I, I don't I don't want to see them fade out yet. So um, and I think God is I don't I don't know that they're at that level anymore. They, they, so and I, I and I think the tag division may they may need to come up to where the tag division it seems to be headed because the the level of competition seems to be getting higher. Uh, based on what we saw in World Tag League, which I thought was a great tournament. I don't think they were ever at that level, to be honest with you. <laughs> but um, I, if you want my honest opinion, I don't think that... I think that as good as the World Tag League was, you know, um, ultimately they showed us that they're really only going with the two tag teams, which is Finn Juice and G.O.D. We could have saved ourselves an entire... You know, four week tournament. I could have told you right off the bat who are the two teams in that list that that are actual recognized tag teams. Finn Juice and God. All right, done deal. Here we go. Like, move on. You know, I I think they got a lot of talent, but I I, I don't see them committing to this tag, uh, you know, department and then or you know division in any real tangible way. So I think it's going to be business as usual. I think it's going to be God having 
G.O.D. matches against, you know, ABC team all year. And that's pretty much it. Like, I don't see them. I mean, I don't know what they do next with Dangerous Techers if they do win. I, I guess New Year's Dash could answer that for us for sure. But I just, I think it makes sense to just put it on G.O.D. and let Zach and Tai Chi go off and, you know, fuck shit up in the singles like they normally do. It's going to be great. <laughs> We also got to think about uh, Master Heater Jado. I'm sure will be at ringside with the candlestick, and that'll be an, an extra factor that dangerous techers will have to fight off. Well, I mean, they might have uh, your girl at ringside. Who knows? What's her favorite? Oh, uh, Miho Abe. They might have Miho. You don't know. <laughs> uh, Miho must be so bored. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think that's going to do it. Let's uh, move on to the third match of the night. Yep, so this is one I am very oh my God. excited for. The IWGP US Heavyweight title number one contender briefcase match. My man, the leader of the Bread Club, the man with the strongest arm, Satoshi Kojima, will be challenging Kenta for the briefcase. I am fired up for this one. I love this. I was very excited when this happened, um, and I'm still I'm very excited for it. First of all, I think it's going to be a good match. Like Kojima can go. We all know that he's motivated to do his best, and you know Kenta is he needs a, a real you know a real opponent here, and and Kojima represents that. I mean, Kojima had the second best fall differential in New Japan in 2020. Mm. 26 a positive 26 fall differentials. So that means like he had 26 more winning falls than he lost his own falls. So that's really good. Only Sonata is better than that. Sonata's at 30. So I mean, Kojima very quietly he won all his matches for his teams. Like he's the guy that's in the ring at the end with the strongest arm hitting those layers. It's no matter where they are on the card, they're high, low on the card, middle of the card, etc. He's the guy that was ending these matches, so he's he's still got it. Now, you know, Kojima in singles, that may be a little different. You know, Kenta's obviously got the edge there where he spent a lot more time in the ring as a singles competitor this year, especially through um, his time with New Japan Strong. But, you know, I think that, I think, you know, this is the most credible opponent Kenta's had for the briefcase so far. <gasps> what? <laughs> Are you going to talk Ta- about Jeff Cobb? No, Tanahashi challenged for that title. Well, let's talk about Tanahashi's singles <laughs> performance in 2020, shall we? Hold on, no, we'll get hold to on. When we talk about Great Okan. Let's talk about Kojima's singles performance in 2020 because you, you mentioned it, Chris, but you know I've stepped up my uh, my stat game since you're, you're going to be on the show here. This man is three and four in televised singles matches in 2020. Guess who all three of those wins came against? Tell me. Lions. All yes. four all four losses came against established talent, which tells me that it doesn't matter if this man is lariating every single person in uh, you know, the World Tag League. He can't he can't get it done in singles action anymore. How how's this man deserving of a title shot? <laughs> I don't understand. Well, you but, but one of his losses was because he lariated <laughs> El Desperado. That, that is true. He should be four and three. Which is kind of a win in his in its own right. And right. El Desperado has clearly elevated himself. <laughs> and, and you see, Kojima was smart enough to, you know, follow the, the New Japan, you know, 
the rule. If you want a title match, you just call a champion out. That's true. He t- took advantage of Juice Robinson out with a broken orbital bone, got hurt on uh, the second row two show, or Tokyo Dome show. So out of, obviously he was out of night three, he's out of, you know, the Tokyo Dome. Unfortunately. And then my man, Satoshi Kojima, saw the opportunity, <laughs> decided to step up and to challenge Kenta after their, their tag match that they had on the last row to Tokyo Dome show. Laid out Kenta with the Koji cutter, holding the briefcase high over his head. Uh, I'm sorry about this, gentlemen. Um, and here's the thing, you know, all these fans that were like, you know, raving about, oh, AEW, they're going to have stats, they're going to have rankings. Nah, fuck all that. Y- you come out, you hold up a briefcase, you get a title shot. That's it. That's all you got to <laughs> do. It's New Japan, baby. <laughs> I was informed recently there's no such thing as earning a title shot. So, oh, I'm um, sorry, a, a title opportunity. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, whatever we're calling it. Um, there's the the factor here that will come into play that I think historically will uh, you know matters is Kojima has a lot more experience in the Tokyo Dome. This will be his 34th match in the Tokyo Dome. Ooh. Um, his ninth singles match. So and that 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 goes all the way back to 1994. This will be Kenta's fifth match in the Tokyo Dome, and I believe it's his third single. So there's there's something there. Um, you know, Kojima doesn't have a ton of history with huge big success, but he is 17 and 13 um, in in the Tokyo Dome overall. So. Yeah, and the thing I love about this too is like you know a lot of fans have been wanting to see Kojima get that one last G one that one kind of last last big hurrah, and we haven't gotten that. He wasn't even in the World Tag League this year, and so uh, I think this is kind of a great kind of last hurrah moment for him. Last kind of big stage, you know, the gunslinger going out on his last kind of uh, big night here. Yeah, it's reminiscent of, you know, Wrestle Kingdom's gone by where you have guys like Makabe, Nagata, Suzuki, you know, in big slots, and that that's kind of gone by the wayside. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. My whole thinking, and don't get me wrong, I'm kind of just playing a character when I say I don't like this. Of course I like it. I mean, it's Kenta against Kojima, and I think one thing is they've never wrestled before in a singles match ever, so that's a big deal. And keep in mind, like, when Kenta was at the top of his like game in Noah, you know, Kojima maybe wasn't at the top top, but he was a big star, a big legend, you know, all Japan, new Japan. And I think this is one of those generational things where people kind of wondered back then what would happen if, you know, and I think modern day viewers don't really understand that aspect of Kojima's legacy. Like he was one of the biggest stars in Perezu. So it is something like it didn't happen back then, but it's going to happen now. And people have been waiting for it, and I think a lot of people can really buy into it. Um, so I am excited from a stylistic standpoint, historic. Like, I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. My only thing about it was this. I kind of was thinking, you know, maybe you should throw Suzuki in here or Ishii or even Hanare. Like, those were the kind of guys I was thinking maybe that would they would, like, give the rub to, but... Clearly, they're they're giving the opportunity to Kojima, and I think it's something to be excited for. So, so predictions, gentlemen. Oh, I mean, Kenta's retaining. Ah, man, 
again. That seems, what, what that seems you, likely. Wait, why, why are you sighing? Like, because this isn't a foregone conclusion. Everyone knows what's I, happening. Again, again, my heart is saying Kojima, <laughs> or my head is obviously saying Kenta. It's so this battle between my love and, and knowledge here, but yeah, I'm going to have to go with Kenta, unfortunately. Bro, uh, you're working put, for putting the, Kojima to sleep here. You're working for the benefit of the audience. This is supposed to be... We're supposed to have journalistic integrity here like <laughs> putting on a dog and pony show I'm embarrassed uh, we also had a question here from what, would you, what would you do if kojima really won though? dude if kojima won dude <laughs> i am freaking marking out <laughs> i am gonna be running around the dojo went like you did when okada revealed that he wasn't wearing when pants anymore pants yeah yeah i'll do the same thing too oh man uh we have a question here from muzzle he said with bread club's glorious leader satoshi kojima challenging for the u.s Title contendership. What is your favorite type of bread? Uh, oh, that's I. You know what? I didn't think I had an answer, but I do have an answer. I love the cheddar bread from uh, Red Lobster. Oh my oh, god! Oh yeah, the cheddar biscuits. I could fuck up a whole basket, like a whole <laughs> basket of cheddar biscuits. <laughs> Chris, what about you? I've never thought about my favorite kind of bread. <laughs> I, I didn't. I me either. But that's just that's what my heart's telling me. I love bread. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm a card carrying member of the bread club. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, as soon as I got that Kojima retweet way back in the day, a year ago or so, but like that, so that's my boy and I love bread and I love carbs, but I've, I've never thought about my favorite probably cause it's, it's all my they're favorite. All, and I live, good. I live like down the street from the Pepperidge farm oh. factory. <laughs> so no, like legit, like it's like I could walk there. Um, and but I I always know it's a good day when I can smell the cinnamon raisin mm. scent coming coming my way. So maybe that's my favorite, just with the the scent. Nice. My my other favorite, oof, a New York style bagel. Oh, a a real one where it's crispy on the outside but doughy on the inside. Oh, my, with some butter. Oh my god, man! Li- living here in Florida, I love me a good Cuban bread. Oh, y- oh yes. Yeah, you get a, a Cuban press sandwich from somewhere. Oh, bro, my from god. from Ebor. Yes, dude. Oh, oh man, just so, uh, a great Cuban breakfast sandwich. Oh there, my there's god, there's so much you can do with a Cuban, but so much you can do with all kinds of bread. Yeah, I, I love bread in general. Pop tarts. Uh. <laughs> that bread that's just bad carbs and sugar bread right <laughs> oh man but uh moving on to the next matchup here We've got a big singles match we have the ace hiroshi tanahashi taking on the empire's great okan this is a match that uh controversial yeah the fan base is kind of divided <laughs> on you have a lot of fans thinking that Tanahashi shouldn't be facing somebody like Okan, that this is kind of a booking malpractice. You have fans that are all in on this and absolutely love it and think it's going to be great. Uh, where do you fall in this little debate here, Chris? Oh, I know where Chris falls. Tell me where I fall, then. Because <laughs> you're a smart man. You're in the Okan camp with us. Yeah, I'm pro Okan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This is going to be great. What are we doing? Like, what's the problem? The man showed up and, like, dominated Okada. In You know, he came out, he ruined Okada's night, and he's been great since. He is he's huge and strong and young and energetic, and he's, he's wild. He's, a, he's wild, and he's got, you know, I, 
when it comes down to it, Empire is they're going to be a factor. Yes. You know, that's a strong trio right now. And I'm sure I'm sure to grow probably with other strong members of the group. Um, so Okan is good and he's going to be good and he's going to be strong. Um, does that set him up to beat the ace in the Tokyo Dome? Maybe. I don't know. Mm. We'll get to predictions, right? But him being in this match, I mean, his first two singles matches now with, in, in New Japan are against Okada and Tanahashi. So that's that says something. And I think he's definitely earned the Tanahashi match and the Okada match he took. And that's, that's just as good as just as we were just talking about with, you know, uh, challenging for championships go in and take a match with with you know one of the big one of the big dogs even if you lose at least you're in the ring it it's funny because you know a lot of people tend to have this uh, inclination to assume that they know what is going on behind closed doors within any wrestling company when in fact we we don't know you literally don't know you know but there seems to be this narrative of a certain fan base that like Tanahashi is just this uh you know, this prisoner who's just beholden to the booker, this big bad Gato who's just telling him what to do and just fucking ruining his career and just <laughs> burying him. And, you know, Dave Meltzer has called it booking malpractice, so people are latching onto that. Like, and I get it. Like, Tanahashi is still really, really good. In fact, Tanahashi is my favorite New Japan wrestler, so trust me, I get it. But also, I get that, like, he's one of the most giving wrestlers there ever was. <laughs> You know, remember how he put over Zach in, in the New Japan Cup and any number of guys that he's tapped out to or done jobs for over the past two, three, four years. Um, I, I can tell you this. Hiroshi Tanahashi has enough cachet, pool, and power in the company. If he didn't want to be working the Tokyo Dome with Oka, he wouldn't be working with Oka. The reason he's working with the great Okan is because he sees something in him, just like anyone who's constantly wa- or you know consistently watching this product sees something in him. I think literally the only people who don't see it are the people who are jumping in and parachuting in and cherry picking shows and also getting their opinions from one or two opinion opinionated voices, and that's about it. Ultimately, I'm not going to bet against Tanahashi in the dome. I'm not. And I understand that there's some people who might say like, oh, well, you know, there was the white situation a few years ago where that match didn't live up to its expectations. Well, it's like, you know, was it a five-star classic? No. Did it establish Jay White as a force to be reckoned with in the company? And, you know, let's see where he's at. He's headlining the Tokyo Dome a couple years later. Yeah, it was a success. And I'm telling you right now, this match, is it going to be a five-star classic? No. Because that's not Oka's role, and that's not Tanahashi's role anymore. Could Tanahashi do that? Yes, he absolutely could. If ta- if you put Tanahashi, we saw what he did with Omega a couple years ago. If you put him and Will Ospreay in the main event of the Tokyo Dome, could he still have five-star matches? Yes, but that's not his role. His role here is to make another star. You cannot have, you can't have it one way or the other, you know? There's a lot of people who are like, well, New Japan's not like it was before. Okay, well, we can't just have Naito, Tanahashi, and Okada headlining everything forever. We need to make future stars. Then they And, and, and there's been people who've complained about that. Then they go to make the stars, and people are like, well, this isn't like the New Japan that I used to like. No, it's not going to be because it's new. They're pushing new people. They're, they're making <laughs> stars. Right. You have to have a little bit of patience and give a little leeway. I understand that 2020 wasn't 
the year everyone wanted it to be. I understand that there's some questionable booking decisions and some things about the company we all didn't like, and and that's definitely worthy of, of you know, um, criticism. But at the end of the day, every criticism that they brought that that was brought up about Ocon when he initially came in, they fixed it almost day one. They fixed it within weeks, and the guy was fucking awesome in the World Tag League. There's a built-in historical aspect between the fact that he was the young boy for Tanahashi and they're going to give him time. They're going to give him an opportunity to shine. I think this match is going to be awesome. I don't know who's, this is one of the matches where I'm like, I'm going with Ocon because I want to be ahead, but I mean, he doesn't have to win. All he has to do is have a good showing against Tanahashi, which in the dome isn't that hard. I think this is going to be awesome. What do you think, Chris? I I'm here for it. Like, let's go. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know that it's come up much in the narrative, but Hiroshi Tanahashi hasn't, I don't think he's won a match with the high fly flow since October 1st is the last thing that I've got in Ooh. the notes I've sent along. So it's been a while for, since he's hit really his big move. Um, and he's had plenty of matches since then. So, you know, October 1st versus Yoshihashi, you know, as far as I can tell, that's the last time he, he even attempted a high fly flow. So, and then, you know, Okan, you know, is he going to do it by himself? Is he going right. to, is, is someone else going to show up? Is Jeff Cobb going to come to ringside with him? Is, you know, we know Tanahashi is going to be out there by himself. So, you know, the, the results of the match may hang on whether or not Okan outsmarts Tanahashi in that way, in the way of being, you know, conniving. You know, even if even if Tana even if they don't get involved, they're there, right? And Tanahashi's a smart guy. He's always got his peripheral on. Maybe that's enough to distract him to to get to the point where Okan can um can can get the win here. Is there a junior that is that could be implemented as a member of the empire that uh would be like a big shock if they joined you know in the in this spot like i'm thinking like is yo mobile enough to like be that guy if he really wanted to be hypothetically uh i don't know that's that's what i'm wondering they don't have a junior i think that's the one thing everyone's wondering they're like where's their junior what what if the junior like is the surprise guy that helps okan beat tanahashi like that would kind of make sense, but uh, I could see I could see Oka beating him square, but not yep. square by yeah. cheating. You know, he right. cheats and he bests Tanahashi in the dome. And we've seen the build up to this match. Okan has targeted um, the knees of Tanahashi, so again, that could be you know take advantage of the, the, the lenient rules in, in a New Japan match. He can go outside, does like the knee breaker on the guardrail, uses chairs on the knees, and so he can just literally break Tanahashi down and get Tanahashi to a point where he, he has to either submit or kind of pass out from the pain of some kind of leg submission hole. So they, they could always go that route if they want Okan to kind of come out dominant over Tanahashi. Um, like we said on the show, I'm a big fan of Okan. I like what you know, the, the subtle changes they've done with the gimmick, um, dropping you know, the puffy pants. I, I like the you know, the Mongolian scream that he does with the chops, and I just think he's he's just a really good, solid worker. I think he's going to be a star in this company, and obviously, like we've seen first singles match of Okada, now he's here at the Dome with Tanahashi. I think this is going to be very similar to the Jay White situation where they're using Tanahashi to get this guy over. 
And with that, I think it's also going to be similar in the fact that Tanahashi is going to win. I'm going I'm to go with the ace uh, beating Great Okan here. I, I don't think that's a bad call at all. I think that would make a lot of sense because Tanahashi has had a lot of losses this year. So him getting a big win in the Dome against Okan in particular isn't a bad way to go. I'm just kind of being hipsterish about it and going with Okan, but it to me... It doesn't really matter one way, or, one way or the other, because I think the story is about Okan's coming out party, regardless of what the outcome is. Right. Tanahashi twelve and eight in the dome in singles matches all time, uh, five and eight in singles matches in twenty twenty. Um, certainly, he's due for a good run there. Um, obviously, he's got a lot of history in the dome. A lot of those twelve and eight main events. I mean, he's in big spots in the dome. Tanahashi delivers and shows up um great okan also not the top guy in empire so i don't know that that he's ready for the big win right right so i think if he starts getting those big wins like i think that that's those are the seeds for future struggles with the leader you know the the organizer of the empire will osprey and i don't think that's where we're headed right now so uh, if I had if push comes to shove, I think Tanahashi is going to pull out a big win here. That's a great uh, you know point to make there. It actually kind of leans into the question we had here from Kenny Omega fan eighteen. They asked if the Great Okan beats Hiroshi Tanahashi, what is next for both men? And um, I think you you brought up a great point there, Chris. Is like if he were to win, that would be the building blocks of potentially you know maybe a conflict within the group. Here's the only thing though. What if Tanahashi has slowly been, he's still a big star, but brought down in terms of where the company sees him and a win over him isn't seen as like beating a top five guy, but it's more like seen like on that intercontinental never level. Maybe it's not as problematic as it might seem at that point that, you know, that's one thing to kind of consider not to diminish his star power, you know, speaking of Tanahashi. um, But I think, my one uh this is a different take on the question i'll let you guys have it but i think tanahashi could be a potential title challenger down the road uh within you know especially if hypothetically abushi were to win the titles you know they they told a story between the two of them so if he wins there is a logical path for him down the road maybe say dantaku dominion something like that i don't know um but if he loses i don't really know what happens next so you guys might be convincing me to go Tanahashi here. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, Chris? What do you think is next for Okan if he does beat the ace? I mean, if Okan wins, I think he's got to get more singles matches under his belt, I think. And I think that's what he's got to try to accomplish um, on his way to the New Japan Cup, obviously, which I, assuming we keep uh, a more traditional calendar this upcoming year, you know, New Japan Cup will be the first to, the first big opportunity for a guy like Okan to um, show up in a way that's, that, you know, traditionally New Japan establishes their great new talents. So, well, don't forget I Castle. Think, hmm? What's it called? Castle Castle attack? Castle attack. Yeah, Castle yeah, attack. Yeah, well, I I just meant tur- tournament wise, you know, where he's, he he would have to mow through a couple of guys in in a short period of time. Right. Um at, at a really high level, that would be his first real big chance to do that, but I think he would need to get some some more singles matches with some credible opponents 
um, under his belt. So not just beating up, you know, the Yuya Yamuras or, or Suji or, you know, whoever. He needs to get some some big time matches in, even with, uh, you know, maybe mow through the guys that typically live in the in the never the never category right so and i I don't really know where okan sees himself or or where the company sees him right now um but i mean putting him he's got every opportunity to succeed right now right he's in the tokyo dome with hiroshi tanahashi in the semi-main on january 4th like all right you guys sold me i'm (laughs) i've officially changed my uh, opinion. It's going to be Tanahashi winning in the Dome. Um, everything you guys have said has like completely changed my mind. Uh, but to answer the question for me, uh, if Okan beats Tanahashi, like Chris was saying, I think there needs to be some kind of bigger opportunity set up next. I feel like either yeah, the New Japan Cup run or some kind of title situation. I guess depending on who wins between Shingo and Cobb. If Shingo wins, you could do Okan versus Shingo. The never title and do a feud there, but I definitely think if he's beating Tanahashi, there's got to be some kind of next kind of opportunity for him to go after. And for Tanahashi, if he loses, I mean, he's, he's Tanahashi, he'll always be a big star, but maybe he just continues to work his way down the card. Um, and he's featured in opening matches until they're, they're ready to kind of heat Ooh. him up again. He might go to Never Division and fight uh Shingo or <laughs> Cobb, that might be good, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Wow, we have made some headway. We are now at the semi-main event of night one. Kazushiko Okada versus Will Ospreay. Yeah, a big matchup here. Obviously with the, the turn on Okada that Will Ospreay did during the G1 tournament, which led to the debut of the man we were talking about, Great Okan. Seen a lot of interviews from Ospreay and Okada talking about you know how personal this match is, and you know, Okada mentioning he wants this match to be IWGP title level uh, stakes and quality. Uh, so we should be in for a incredible matchup here. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that this is for me the most anticipated match of the entire two nights of Wrestle Kingdom. Um, just because of the two talents that are here. Now, I'm not that engrossed with the story. Personally, uh, I I think I could have been because there is a great story here and they've had some nice segments. But I think that having that, you know, month long uh, World Tag League slash Super Juniors kind of stole a lot of the attention off of this story. And they kind of had to try to heat it up, you know, based off of three shows. I don't think that was quite enough to get it to, you know, Bruno Larry levels, which is the story that they're trying to tell, essentially. But um, ultimately, I think that this is going to continue after this is all said and done. I don't, I don't think that we're anywhere near done with Okada and Will Ospreay. This is going to be a prolonged thing, and I think this is the first, like the first story in a long line of chapters between these two guys. Um, with that being the case, I think it's going to be the best match of the. It's probably going to be a match of the year contender. I mean, every single time. Osprey and Okada have gotten in the ring. We've said that it very likely could be a match of the year contender. And guess what? It never has quite lived up to that level. It's gotten close on a few occasions, but there hasn't been enough to really sink your teeth into. And now we finally have that here because, you know, we, you've got a heel face dynamic. You've got history. You've got stakes. And it's, it's a big deal. Plus a big venue. And, uh, you know, so... 
I'm going with Osprey to win here in a classic, and I think he's going to cheat, and I think Okada is going to have some comeuppance in the future here. What do you think, Chris? You know, it's tough to pick a winner here. Um, I wouldn't have picked Will in the G1, aside from Great Okan, you know, entering and 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 B Priestley for that matter, and and the the split off of Chaos, right? So, I think Okada has had, you know, like Tanahashi, right? Okada's had a weird 2020. Yeah. Um, right. So he's he's coming off of that, and I think both of those guys certainly know that. Um, there are guys coming up the ladder and those, those Okada and Tanahashi are two of the, two of the guys that are at the top of the ladder and, you know, they can be surpassed quickly and easily with a new, especially with a whole new unit, like the empire. Right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Osprey is a guy who we've seen grow and we've seen, you know, from both physically and, you know, theoretically as a wrestler, um, and now he's establishing himself as as a as a heavyweight, and I think Osprey's eyes are on that top top title, right? And this is a win that he'll need to be able to be that that competitor um, to put him in that conversation. Now I don't know if this is the match that we see as the kind of de facto number one contenders match, but it certainly could be. Um, especially if Osprey wins, I think he's got that. He he's established that he's got that ego that he's just gonna then go ask, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think I think we're in for a ride. I think we're in for a classic. I hope that there's no shenanigans. I know uh, Okada has has a lot to say about that, and I think if there's no shenanigans, maybe Okada's the guy who's gonna win. Um, but Osprey. We didn't. I just don't think we saw enough of him to know where he's at physically, like as a wrestler right now. In a sense of like, is he IWGP Heavyweight Championship material, or is he still, you know, establishing himself as a heavyweight? Well, these days he's definitely at that level. That was an evil Naito slide. Slide, if you guys didn't get it. Yeah, it's definitely a, a tough one to predict here. I, I, I think there, there's cases to be made either way here. Um, I'm personally going with Kazuchika Okada getting the win here just because he had such an off 2020. I feel like this is going to kind of be like a reset for him and to kind of get him started back, you know, in that main event scene and, and back in the title picture. Because I think, you know, Osprey could all, like, well, we, we all agree. We think this is going to be like a long-term kind of rivalry between these guys. And so Osprey could always beat him again down the line to get in the title picture and to elevate himself. But I do think, um, you know, getting Okada kind of reestablished uh, will make a ton of sense here and get the big win. I'll make one last uh, appeal to the opposite uh, opinion. I think the Empire really needs something here as the big jumping off point. Um, I do agree that Okada has had a wonky year and he's had some weird losses, but you know, he is still Okada and he could easily, just like you said, Will Ospreay could get the win later, but you know what? So could Okada. My whole thing is Osprey is the head of this faction. If, if you know, the indications are correct, this faction looks to be like a big deal. And I think that if he loses a night one, I'm not saying it's going to be a failure or anything, but it does kind of handicap the group quite a bit. 
it, at that point, it kind of seems like everything falls on Jeff Cobb to kind of like, <laughs> you know, someone's got to get a win. Yeah. I, I think Will Ospreay is kind of destined to, like, get the big win here, especially since, like, you know, Cotta's beat Osprey almost every time they've ever fought. And the one time Osprey won, you know, it was with huge shenanigans. Um, I think he needs it more than Okada needs it. Mm. I think the group needs it. I think the faction is dependent on it in a certain sense. Yeah, I get that. I think that... Um, I think that... Osprey needs to establish himself as as the big dog, right? So winning clean would do that. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I think winning clean would do that. Winning with shenanigans, I'm not sure. I'm not I'm really not sure. I mean, here's the here's here's another little tidbit, right? It, it, Okada hasn't won a match or hasn't attempted a rainmaker since February. Mm. So like is is this yeah. the moment, right? Is this the moment where he goes back to his roots, rears back smacks will with a rainmaker and pins him or is this the moment where he finally tries it again osprey's ready for it and then counters with god knows what right so that's something to keep an eye out for i think here's one thing to consider too uh the previous five you know um main matches we've discussed you could make an argument as a fan of this product having watched it over the last 12 months and say there could be shenanigans or cheating in this match because in every single one of these past five matches, there is someone who has cheated on a major level, and that's going to continue in tonight too. So um, I am hoping that maybe we get a departure of that and we get more clean finishes and more just straight-up clean matches across the board because uh, it is Wrestle Kingdom. But, uh, you know, it's just that's just kind of a, a commentary on the state of New Japan. Like, we got five matches here, and I, you know... ELP Hiromu, I could see someone cheating. G.O.D. against Dangerous T, I could see some cheating. <laughs> you know, Tanahashi Okan, I could see some cheating. Like, there's a lot of it on this card, hypothetically. Right. I hope they don't do that. And uh, one thing to kind of help the claim for an Osprey win that I just thought about is, you know, you look back into the build to Wrestle Kingdom 13 for Okada versus Jay White. Okada was coming off of the broken balloon Okada, having kind of a crazy year. And then the Rainmaker was back at Wrestle Kingdom 13. Everybody thought he was going to beat Jay White. Then Jay beat him in the fastest time he's ever been beaten. Like 15 minutes. The Tokyo Dome. So <laughs> this could crazy. be a similar situation here where we're thinking, yeah, 2020 was a rough year for Okada. He need, you know, Rainmaker's going to be back at Wrestle Kingdom 15. He's going to beat Osprey and kind of be back on top. But this could be a similar situation where Osprey beats him and beats him clean like Jay did. And Okada still has to try and rebound. Well, you know, we used to say you don't bet against the ace in the dome, but since then he's been beaten by at least three different opponents. So <laughs> um, maybe it'll be four, maybe not. It's, it, it would put him in rare company if Osprey were to beat him. It'd put him up there with Tanahashi, Naito, and Jay White, which is a big deal. Yeah, what's uh, Okada's overall dome record, Chris? Overall, in the Tokyo Dome, Kazuchika Okada installing. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, this is amazing." We didn't we didn't plan this. <laughs> overall, six and seven mm. singles, six and four. So all all of his wins are singles. 
Um, and two of those losses two, are against Tanahashi. Two to Tanahashi, one to Naito, one to Jay White. The Jay White match, 15 minutes and 18 seconds. Oh, my God. Yeah, right, as as noted. So, yeah, I mean, tough to bet against Okada in the Dome, but, I mean, well, Osprey, Osprey's two and one. Mm. When when I when I bet I look for value and this is the value pick right here. I would put my money on Osprey. I, I think I might, I might swing my prediction to Osprey now. Well, let's move on <laughs> to the big match, the match everyone is uh, wondering about. Well, we had uh, two questions here. <sighs> Keep jumping ahead, buddy. <laughs> uh, first from Rambo and Slam Pig says Okada recently made some comments about his desire to put on IWGP level level matches <laughs> and his lack of interest in the double title situation do you think he will ultimately be the one to facilitate the titles being split if that's actually the plan going forward would that make naito more likely to retain the dome in order to be the one to drop the belts to okada or would one of the other matches make more sense well one thing i'll say is i'm a big fan of titles and i'm also a big fan of belts and i understand that those two things are not the same thing you know a title is recognition a belt is a trophy that is awarded to someone in recognition but you don't always need a belt to be recognized as the best you know you it's a it's a title belt but it's not the actual title itself um and i say that to say this i think he is throwing slight at the level of the IWGP title over the past year, just like many of us are. Maybe he's been listening to uh, some Keeping It Strong stuff. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he's leaning into you know our opinions, but um, there, there's probably some work there. There's probably some shoot there, you know, because the title was viewed in a different light when it was held by the likes of Tanahashi, or I'm sorry, Okada, than it was over the past you know year when like say Evil was holding it. Um, and also there's you know, there's not a from, you know, me watching this product. There's not a lot of like uh, oversight on what the guys say in their promos. They kind of just say whatever the fuck they want to say. So um, maybe you know, maybe this is more realistic than you know we even realize. But ultimately, I think it's awesome that he's like kind of proclaiming that he's gonna go back to the IWGB title level, which is funny for him to be saying because he's had a year that was anything but IWGB level. But, it, you know, if he is having matches of that caliber and he is seen to be working at that level, which we all know he's capable of, then it would create a situation where you've got this guy over here holding two belts, but then this guy over here who is, like, the guy. And it almost seemed like they were creating that situation this year by initially announcing that Naito and Osprey was going to headline night one, and then they eventually did switch it. But that was the initial... You know what it was going to be, which like tells you the star power of of Kazushi Okada. But um, you know, to answer the question here, um, they said basically, you know, going forward, would it make sense for Naito to retain, or would one of the other matches make sense? Um, I think there's money down the line for Okada and Naito, but you know, it doesn't have to be four months from now. It doesn't have to be six months from now. It could be a year from now. I also think that they could tell a story a year from now with him and Ibushi, you know? Um, I I think if you're going to do a long, I I think it's going to be a little bit of a longer form story than people are probably anticipating with, with, uh, with Okada. I think Okada's going to do his thing, kind of work through the ranks. And then by the time they're ready to crown him again, 
Honestly, it'll probably be next year. And if they do crown the G1. Yeah, he'll probably win the G1 and then probably win at the Tokyo Dome, which people, you know, by that point maybe people will want it again, so yeah, um, I mean, I could definitely see Okada being the one that wants to get the belt split up, and maybe whenever he does challenge, only challenges for the IWGP title. Um, and I know one of the interviews he did mention maybe he needs he needs to get behind the whole idea of being a double champion, and so maybe he just you know drops his hate for the double titles and just goes for it and becomes double champion eventually. Um, that's how that's how they're gonna split the belts. He's gonna be like, "Fuck this white belt." <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Chris? I, I I can't imagine Okada carrying two belts, and I can't imagine Okada carrying the Intercontinental. Mm. So whether he's the, the guy who splits it or initiates splitting it, um, I think that's a certain possibility. I think if he wins this match in, in, in a defining way, he could be one of those early-in-the-year challengers. Um if they do a challenge at one of the new beginning shows or castle attack, um, he could, he could certainly be that, that challenger. He, he's earned that he's earned the ability to win one big match and say, no, I'm ready. Right. So do I think that's how it's going to go? Probably not. (laughs) I don't, I don't think so. I think, I think that, um, this, I, I think we need, I think Okada needs a full redemption tour. Yeah. And I think, um, I think, uh, he hasn't won the G one in, in quite a while. I think 2012, um, it's been, you know, it's been a while. So I think a big G one win and a big run with some classics, right. That, um, you know, hopefully he's in a block with really, you know, heavy competitors again. And then, uh, you know, the dome next year, maybe 2022. Um, I think that that's Okada's path. I think that's his, you know, his most likely path to back to IWGP glory. I've been wrong before. I mean, <laughs> they he won the New Japan Cup and won the you know IWGP um, in Madison Square Garden. I mean, like that was that was quite the quite the path up as well. So it, he can heat up really quickly when he decides to. Yeah. When I was rambling about titles and uh, belts, that was kind of a, a nod to Rich. What's up, Rich Latta? Um, the reason I brought that up is just because in other sports, like in boxing, that is how it's seen. A, a belt is a belt, but recognition is a totally separate thing. And we've seen situations where someone might be recognized as like the champ, but then there's someone else who's like beating all the competition. And they're kind of like slowly being recognized as the guy while someone else maybe holds the belt, they're not, you know, like, yes, technically they beat the man to become the man, but they're maybe they're fighting like paper challengers along the way. Mm-hmm. And then you got this other guy over here who's beating killers and they don't have any belts and they're kind of getting avoided. And it's sort of like, well, who who really is the best? What is a title to begin with? It's recognition of who's the best in the division. And I love that idea of like, what if there was like, a double champ. I mean, it does kind of remember, remind me of what was going on with like Kenny and Okada when they were kind of kept apart and they had like parallel lines until they remet, you know? Mm-hmm. I would love if something like that were to happen if like Okada has his own redemption arc and he slowly gets recognition where it's like, okay, he's fucking ready to like get this shit back, you know? Yeah. And he's wrestling at that IWGP level again. He's having those style matches with guys, but not for the belt. And then when he starts doing that, people would clamor. 
for him and whoever, Naito or Abushi or Jay White or whoever the fuck, you know? Yeah. And the other question here was from our user Jay Spammer. It says, English commentary has been hyping up that there is a financial backer for the Empire. Any thoughts on who it could be? My shortlist is Jericho, Tanahashi, or the Mole in Chaos. Lord Gideon Gray. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that is a potential answer there. You know, Gideon Gray did have an affiliation with Ocon in Rev Pro, so I know a lot of people have pointed back to that. There is a rumors that came out earlier. Jericho supposed to be a part of the Empire, uh, but also due to COVID, that those plans got uh, scrapped. So, I mean, Jericho could be the guy that they do it with eventually when he can come back in. Bro, what if it's Big Bicep Tony? <laughs> <laughs> oh man That's the way the door opens the, the forbidden door's been open for a long time pal You haven't noticed <laughs> I've been. Everyone's been telling me it's been open for a while Enjoy all your favorite sports Like never before at BetMGM Sign up using code CHAMPION And receive up to $1,500 Back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet When you register with BetMGM You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features Live betting options And the best daily promotions in the business And with BetMGM at your fingertips Every play and every game Matters more than ever Remember to use code CHAMPION And receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What do you think, uh, Chris? I don't know. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't thought much of it. Um, it's, it's probably one of those things you don't need to think about because it's probably nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I don't know. It could be anyone at that, that at that rate. I mean, I didn't think Great O'Con was going to be the guy who ran in on the the um, Okada match. So it's. Uh, Osprey's keeping things close to the chest. What if it's Don Callis and Kenny Omega? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. There's probably people groaning right now hearing that. (laughs) It was me on mute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, let's move on here to the main event of night one for the IWGP heavyweight title and IWGP intercontinental title. The double champion, Tetsuya Naito, the Keeping a Strong Style 2020 Wrestler of the Year, will be defending the titles against the G1 Climax winner, the Golden Star, Kota Ibushi. So what are we thinking here, guys? Someone's next in trouble. That's what I'm thinking. I, who knows? I don't really know what to think of this, honestly. Um I love Kota Ibushi. I love that he won the G1 twice in a row. I'm not sure how. I mean, I, I get it. I get Naito fighting champ challenges Ibushi because he won the G1, you know, but Ibushi lost the briefcase. So, but here we are. Um, we had to put it all together and um, these guys will, I, you know, I was really excited for this match when the G1 ended. Uh, I'm equally excited for the match to happen. You know, is this another situation where the guy who comes into 
the two dome shows with open hands and empty hands, right? So like Naito last year, Naito came in. He wasn't the Intercontinental Champion. He wasn't the IWGP Heavyweight Champion. And he didn't have the briefcase, but he was there. He got to be in part of the, the double gold dash, the original. So, and now here we are with Ibushi. Is Ibushi going to come in empty handed and leave, you know, with arms full of gold? Maybe. I don't know. Um, but it's interesting to see how we how we got here. Yeah. Uh, agreed. So I think there's two ways to look at this. Um, well, first off, before I even analyze the outcome, let me just say... Naito and Ibushi, one of my favorite matchups in New Japan uh, history. They never fail to have classic matches. These two guys are made for each other. I think they might be possibly each other's best opponent within New Japan. Um, you know, eight classics. They're going to add a ninth. I can't see them having less than a four-star match in the main event of a Tokyo Dome for the IWGB title. Like, the stakes don't get any better or bigger. So, I mean, they're going to, they're going to fucking kill it. And, uh, I think they can sleepwalk their way to a four star match. I think it'll probably end up being one of the best matches of the night. Um, maybe even a match of the year contender, maybe, maybe the match of the year, who knows? But, um, all that being said, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. Uh, Naito and Jay white to me makes the most marketing sense as far as star power, as far as, you know, it's weird because White has faced both these guys in recent times, so you don't really have a protected second night main event either way. Um, but I, I think from star power standpoint, the two biggest stars out of these three are Jay White and Tetsuya Naito. So if you're looking for like the match that has the more like you know big names, that's the one you go with. Plus, in my opinion, those two guys have had some okay matches, but. I don't think they've ever had a real classic. Some people would disagree, but I think that they could go out there, maybe try and top everything they've done before. With that being set aside, I think from a business standpoint, maybe that's what you do. But on the other hand, Naito got jobbed out twice in the dome last year and then won the, the G1 for a second time in a row this, this year. And it seems that he's poised to potentially, you know, win the titles. And then he drops the belt to Jay White. And it's sort of like if he were to drop the, the, the briefcase to Jay White, win this, you know, win this title opportunity based off charity <laughs> and then lose again. It's like, what was the whole story arc for to begin with? And not only that, but like Naito's never won the title and he's like, me mean, well, I'm sorry, Abushi, my bad. And he's getting older and he signed this like, you know, lifetime, you know, contract with the company. What are we doing here? It, it, like if you're not going to pull the trigger on Abushi and go with him now, then when? When is the time to do it? Like I don't think that they've set it up better than now to finally go with the guy like you know, they they, they did this whole redemption arc and Ultimately, none of these matches, like I mentioned, are really protected matches when it comes to the Jay White on the second night. But but between the two of them, I've seen Jay White and uh, Kota Ibushi go out there and have a match of the year caliber level match in the G1 last year. And I think they could do it again this year. 
So, like, if I was going to, like, hedge my bets as to, as to which match would be more classic, you know, what would have the big stakes, I think that you go with Ibushi. Um, I understand for business reasons why you might go Naito, but I think they need to go Ibushi. I think he has to win here. Like, it's the, it's the thing that makes the most sense. And if they don't go with him, you know, like I mentioned, Dave Meltzer's been using this term, booking malpractice. I would actually believe that it is booking malpractice to not go with Ibushi at this point because they've had him for so many years and they've never gone with the guy. This is your chance. If you don't do it now, when the fuck are you going to do it? Ibushi 2-6 and six in the Tokyo Dome on a three-match losing streak. Uh, he's due, certainly. And, um, you know, I think that... I agree with everything Josh is saying, to be honest. I think that I think it's worth a shot. I think he he's also the guy who he has something to fight for against Jay White because he was um done dirty, right? So I think that's the match that um on paper makes the most sense to get to. And I think more than anything, potentially that's Kota Ibushi's motivation going into night one is that he wants that match with Jay White on night two to avenge the loss of the briefcase. Right. Uh, right. So not that Naito and Jay White don't have a ton of history um, that goes way back, but I think, you know, Ibushi's got stakes against both of these guys. Also, Abushi's uh, five and three against Naito time so he also right. kind of has Naito's number yeah I agree with you guys I, I think Abushi um, is going to win should be the guy that wins this like you guys made it, it makes a ton of sense also you you build that heat of Jay cheating to get the briefcase off of him so you can see Abushi get that come up and to get that revenge and, and face Jay White on the second night and beat Jay um, and retain the titles and leave Tokyo Dome with, with the double titles like you were saying, Josh, yeah, I think it would be um, you know, a complete waste of time, A, for Naito to win and do Naito-J, or Abushi beat Naito and then Abushi lose to J and have J lead the double title. I think this, this needs to be Abushi's Knights, and he needs to win um, both Knights here at the Dome, which we have a, an interesting question here that kind of goes against what we're, we're thinking here from Red or Why You Do That Bro. This is a long question. I'm really struggling to see why people think Ibushi's winning. I'm not against it at all, but the booking doesn't add up. I just can't wrap my head around the idea that a power struggle semi-main event will be main event in the Tokyo Dome. Naito would also have yet another title reign with only one defense. This reminds me of Wrestle Kingdom 12 when everyone thought Naito was winning, and he didn't because there was the bigger long-term story at play. Naito finally looking directly at Okada during his entrance instead of turning his back to him or looking to the side. Took Okada and Naito three tries to win a dome main event, and Naito has yet to win one on January 4th, and he might not get many other chances. I think Ibushi's big title win could be saved for when people can go to shows at full capacity and when the belts are split. So my question is, why does everyone believe Ibushi is 100% winning, and do you guys believe people are setting themselves up for disappointment like in 2018? I think it's a great question. Um, one thing that makes me nervous, why did you do that, bro? Won our G1 Pick'em contest, uh, not this year, but the year before. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like a daunting task. So it's like he's got a pretty good track record at like 
predicting stuff, but you know who else has a really good track record when it comes to the Tokyo Dome? You. Me. <laughs> I have never gotten a main event wrong since we started doing this show, including the year that Naito beat Okada. I have, you mean Okada beat Naito? God. Well, that year too. Both years. <laughs> so, um, you know, he, he brings up some good things here. You know, he, he mentioned that one of these matches was a power struggle main event. But you know what? None of these match outcomes, like I've mentioned several times, are protected. I mean, we've seen them on, like, I mean, didn't we see uh, Jay White and uh, Naito at, like, Power Struggle last year or something like that? It was, like, late in the year after the G1, right? It was Destruction. Yeah, it was Destruction. So you're telling me a Destruction main event is going to main event the Tokyo Dome? You see how that logic works there? It's the same shit. So it's, like, ultimately... You know, those were matches that happened a long time ago. We're at a different point, and I think we're at a transition point in where New Japan is right now. That's why we don't have a protected quote unquote main event for night two. You know, I think going forward after this, if Gato's continuing to book, we'll probably have protected matches once again. We're just we're not at that point now. Now we're we're getting matches that are, you know, kind of seen more often. And plus, we're we're not trying to draw. For two full nights at the dome. Yeah, but they're not so, trying to draw forty k. Right. So why would you throw away a quote unquote protected matchup um, here with, especially now when they had to stop selling tickets and there's going to be what eleven thousand people both nights, and then you you wait until you can get a bigger audience and do your more protected matchup. But either way, I think Abushi versus JY is still I think a drawing matchup or a big matchup, especially coming off of the angle. Of Jay cheating to get the briefcase from Bushi. Last couple things he mentioned: um, waiting until crowds come back to crown Bushi. Who the who the fuck knows when that's going to be? That could be two years from now. Be five years from now. We don't know when that's actually going to literally be. You know. Um, so I mean, do you do you penalize this guy because we're in this terrible situation? Like no. Like you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, the the other thing too is like. I think we, at the time, when, when Naito lost to Okada, I had mentioned that there was more money in the chase for him to lose to Okada, and it made more sense to go with the historic reign of Okada, which all proved to be true. I am telling you right now, there is not more money in pushing Ibushi down at this point. That will only make you less money. The only, the only, the only caveat there is that Naito is in the middle of a run, and people really do love him. And yes, for business reasons, it might make sense for him to win both nights and go on and continue forward because they're making money with him. And, and I think that they would continue to draw. Maybe it's riskier to go with Ibushi now. But ultimately, from a story standpoint, there's not more money in that chase. There's not more money in him losing here. I think that you need to go with him. If, if you're going to take the risk ever, now's the time. So for I totally disagree uh, respectfully. Uh, with why did you do that, bro? But from a story standpoint, it's the only outcome that actually makes sense for for the reasons that Chris laid out, for the reasons that we've laid out. He he has to chase these two guys, and and that's the whole story of this double main event is the redemption of Ibushi and him getting his comeuppance and him getting his just due, which would be a big deal. What I will say is that any of these three guys could credibly walk out of the Tokyo Dome on January fifth holding both belts. That's true. Like, yeah. like, no, I have no issue with any any of the three. I don't think Naito's done being a champion. Even if he loses here, I think he still stays in that mix. 
I don't think Jay White, obviously Jay White's first run was not, um, it wasn't the run that, that he wants wants it to be and i don't think it's his defining run um i don't know that jay white will have his defining run as champion as a member of the bully club so but maybe he will maybe if if he can pull it off on january 5th then that's what happens and obviously abushi it's the it's the last thing it's the only thing he hasn't done right he's won the g1 he's won best of super juniors he's been junior heavyweight champion intercontinental champion never change like the man has done everything there is to do in new Japan, except hold that big belt. So is he going to do it here? Maybe if, if, if ever, I, I think if ever it's going to be there and I, I think it'd be really hard to heat him back up. And I think it'd be really dejecting for him to go through all the winning the G one twice. And, you know, maybe Ibushi's just, maybe Ibushi is Chono. Oh, <laughs> don't say that. But, but I mean, like you see it, right? No, Naito's Chono. <laughs> Naito's Chono in his generation. <laughs> don't don't risk don't don't wish that evil on Abushi. <laughs> I don't want you guys know. I mean, you know me and me and Coda. We go way back. I'm looking at his, his you know brawler brawler guy right here. <laughs> lives lives on my desk, um, but. I, maybe he's just the tournament winner. Oh no, man! Well, that is, that is possible. It is. <gasps> it is. I mean, but here and here's my final problem with that. If fucking evil can win this title, then Abushi needs to win this title. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but it's not a. It's not a meritocracy. It's not like you know. Yeah, man. I think I think Abushi's the right call. Well, since we're kind of talking about you know double titles in the main event for night two, let's start at the main event. Oh, we're starting at the top, nice, and work our way uh, down the card. So we're gonna work off the assumption that all three of our predictions are correct, and that Kota Ibushi will face Jay White on night two for the double titles. And so I think well, I- I'm fine throwing out there a sound bite for either scenario. I don't really care, but I think we're right. So if, if it's <laughs> so if, if we're all if we're all right and it's Abushi versus Jay, we're thinking Abushi is walking away with double straps. I, I think it's the story that makes sense for all the reasons we just laid out. Oh, I hope so. The other, the, other, <laughs> the other thing too is like it's very rare for them to to have the heel win at Wrestle Kingdom. Like I don't know that it's ever happened. To be honest. But- but there's a lot of main events that don't have a hard heel. Really? I think they almost always have. I mean, I could think of like two or three. I mean, a true bad guy. Yeah, that's true. Like uh, irredeemable, like Jay White. Okay, yes. They don't always have an irredeemable. But like when Kojima wrestled Tanahashi, it's very clear Kojima was the heel. Or like the first two Okada matches, it was clear Okada was the heel. You know, like. Yes. But they lean towards the middle way more than Jay White. That's true. I yeah. agree. Right, and and even going back to Omega Tanahashi, that was confusing. Quick switch, you know, like they. It was clear. It, it was, was clear, right? It wasn't confusing. It was about philosophies. <laughs> <laughs> what, what didn't you get? <laughs> it was so nuanced. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I, I hate these double title, these two night things. 
it's hard to predict. Uh, again, I, again to, yeah. to simplify the point I was making, it, it would be a rarity for them to have a heel because they like to send the home, the fans home happy on the biggest show of the year. Mm-hmm. It is very typical for them to have a feel good story like they did last year. Now tip now, did they close the show with Kenta sitting on the chest of Naito? Yes, they did. But um, you know, Naito the record books still still show Naito winning. So um, I would be very surprised if Jay White won. Um, but he's due for one eventually at some point. It's going to happen. Maybe this is the time, potentially. And I will say he does look pretty good holding those double titles. Oh my god, that man looks like a superstar. <laughs> oh my god, did he look good? That man looks like yeah, I mean, he's ready. Like he's ready for the for the reign of his life. I mean, here's the other thing: how much would it suck for Ibushi to win on night one and lose on night two? It, it would horrible. Oh, suck! Like that's oh, oh, just oh. the oh my that's god. the get his picture in the. In the the intro, title reign that I I don't know that I could come back from that. You'd you know, never hear from me again. <laughs> you know that's okay. So like we had a question previously, and they're like, you know, is everyone setting themselves up for failure? And I'm like, nah. You know, Bushi's gonna win both nights. But what if he won the first night, but then did lose the second night? That would be the that'd kind, be horrible, bro. That is literally that. I know it's not standard booking when it comes to the IWGB title, but it is the kind of booking that Gato does when he books tragedies, and he loves those that kind of shit. I don't think there's ever been a, an IWGB title reign that short. Um, there's not. Oh my god. Yeah, that 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 would be horrible. That that should not. If Abushi is not going to win night two, then he just needs to lose the night two on night <gasps> one. The the shortest reign is Tenryu at twenty five days. Mm-hmm. That would that would suck. <laughs> oh my! But you know what? I'm not like in favor of this company booking heat, but I mean, you kind of love it. I can see it in your face. <laughs> there, there is a part of me that's like, would there be money in another match between Jay White and Abushi down the line if, like, a he lost his briefcase to this fool, and then b he got beat the, the next day for the title. Oh, my God. Would I be, like, so up for that Dominion match down the road? Yeah, you definitely yeah. said that. Yeah, you, you t- took the briefcase. You took the titles. Like, Jay White has totally ruined this man's life. I hope they don't do this. Um, and there there could be a potential bill there in, in having um, Abushi chase Jay. But now get out of my head, guys. This is what's happening. <laughs> Abushi is avenging. He's beating everybody. And that's that. That's what's happening. Uh, yeah. Oh, I hope. <laughs> I hope, but I th- you're right about the tragedy thing, and and Ibushi has had his tragedies, right? When he he keeps getting the chances and never quite gets the, you know, gets the real chance. Last year he lost two in the Tokyo Dome. Maybe this year he only loses one, but it might be the big one. Um, I, I my. Uh, my odds-on prediction is that whoever wins night one is going to be Jay White. That's what I think, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm going with Fubushi winning both nights. I think so too, and I think if Naito wins, he's going. He's going to win both nights, either way. Yeah. But man, I don't know. This got me questioning things. Uh, one one fun thing I threw out there. I don't know if you heard this, Chris, but last week we were kind of looking through the history and. Out of all the domestic talent that has ever won the IWGP title, there have only been two men 
who were not trained in the New Japan Dojo originally that have won the belt, and that's Tenryu and Takayama. So, you know, that the last time that was like what 2002, 2003. That's a long time ago. That would be if Ibushi did win. That would be a huge fucking deal. Yeah, that's a big deal. Um, he's been with New Japan for so long that you forget that he's not an original. Right. Or, you know, it's not where he started. I mean, maybe you don't forget that because he has such history with um, DDT. But, yeah, I mean, and, and maybe that's why it's taking so long to strap him up and give him that reign because it is a big deal. And, and that's the thing, too, is, like, you know, no one's denying the talent of Abushi, but, I mean, like, when... Tenryu and Takayama won their belts. They were like big established draws, big established stars, came in with a lot of notoriety, a lot of history. They were already legends by the time that them winning the belt was just adding a little accolade to their already Hall of Fame careers. It's not like that for Ibushi. You know, Ibushi is clawing his way to the top. And so it is wholly unique, just like he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Abushi's got to win this. Also, I, 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 I think <laughs> I think I think he's got to do this shit. Let's go. Jeremy's just like cut, shutting it down. He's like, he's got to win. He's, he's got to win. Plus, I think Abushi versus Shea would be it's a better potential matchup out of Naito and Jay. If you had to pick one, I think Abushi and Jay would deliver a better main event matchup than Naito and Jay. But and on that note too, um, I'm much more excited for night one then whatever night two is going to end up being as far as the main event scene. Like, uh, yeah, there is the intrigue of like, we don't know who's going to win obviously. So there is that little X factor there, but I mean, I know what I'm getting with Ibushi and Naito. Right. <laughs> like, I know that those guys are going to go out there and tear the house down. But like when it comes to Jay white, it Jay white's fantastic. We, we praise him, but I mean, sometimes he misses. Yeah. Jay white's got time too. Um, and kind of like I said earlier, my my belief is that I don't think Jay White's going to have his defining IWGP Heavyweight Championship run as a member or the leader of Bullet Club. So I think that there's, uh, I think he will unlock his potential and unleash his own talent if he's able to step away from that. Yeah, I definitely think. Yeah, there's big money in Jay as Bayface and. Yeah, maybe that's the time he, he becomes a champion when he eventually leaves Bullet Club and kind of switches sides. And forms the Makai Club Part 2. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's move on here to the semi-main event. We have another similar situation here. Uh, Taiji Ishimori defending against the winner of Hiromu in ELP. I think we're all very confident here that Hiromu is beating ELP on night one, and we're getting Hiromu versus Taiji here in the semi-main. Well, it's the junior title, so, I mean, there's more leeway to go one way or the other. But uh, I, I just don't have confidence in Taiji Shimori as champion currently, and I don't know that the company does either based on the booking of the best of the super juniors. Um, I mean, there's no denying the talent that is Taiji Shimori. He's fantastic, but, you know, he's hot and he's cold. And uh, right now he feels lukewarm. So I think that... It makes sense to either recrown Hiromu, since he pretty much is the division, or you know if you're gonna go with ELP, then you should go with ELP. The only thing is, we don't know if ELP is even like staying in the country, what the deal is. So I think there's also that travel restriction um, 
you know, hurdle that's going against him too. And another reason why I think it makes sense for Hiromu to just win. Well, there were only three IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship matches in 2020, and the the holder of the belt lived in Japan the entire year. So I don't know that that I mean maybe maybe it matters more in 2021, but they didn't they didn't use it they didn't use it when they had it. So um, and I don't that's not because it was on Ishimori. I don't think I think it's just the nature of where they where they see that title and Hiromu got tied up with uh, New Japan Cup and then got tied up, you know, chasing down evil and then lost the belt and Ishimori then got, you know, caught up in in best for juniors and the junior tag league mini mini junior tag league, I guess we'll call it. So um, that's not a belt that typically sits on ice that long. So I think that I think we will see a fighting champion one way or the other, whether it's Ishimori or Hiromu. My, if I had to guess, I'd say Hiromu again wins at Wrestle Kingdom, establishes, you know, this is going to be his, uh, you know, an, another big defining reign. I just don't know who, who's around to challenge him. Uh, Wato? <laughs> <laughs> right desperado yes <laughs> I, I mean there's there's something with the desperado match again but i don't think you can keep going back to that well for this long uh, and the, the best of super juniors was definitely a blow-off but um i think that there's some work to do in that division and that that's a shame because it's it's you know typically my favorite division um as guys kind of come in and out of it I, I think the junior division will be fine going forward. Um, I think the only reason that it was on ice was just because, like you mentioned, I don't think it was because they see the titles being low. It's obviously it's semi-main eventing. I think it was just because the way the calendar fell, honestly, and I think that's all it really was because of the diff- because this year was so reliant on tournaments and they based all their tours off of it. Right, like we ten, mentioned, ten yeah. tournaments, thirty. <laughs> 31% of all New Japan matches in 2020 were part of a tournament. That's guys, I, insane. We watched all of them, but I will tell you the truth, guys. I'm going to confess. I did not watch the Lion. What was it called? The Lions, well, the Lions Break Crown. Lions Break Crown? I did not watch the Lions Break Crown. Like we mentioned on the it show. It was kind of a fun little tournament. Not I, you know, it probably was actually. It didn't sound bad. I just didn't watch it. <laughs> And uh, something else that affected the junior division, obviously COVID. We've, we've talked about on the show before with the junior division being highly uh, relying on imports and bringing in people in from other countries. So that's another reason why the division kind of felt like on ice this year. But yeah, I think Hiromi winning makes the most sense here. Again, it's a similar story to uh, Bushi's story where you know, Hiromi's coming in. Um, also, he wasn't really cheated out of the title. He he lost pretty much fair and square. To Ishimori, he, he came into that match with a shoulder injury, and uh, Ishimori kind of exploited that injury to his to his benefit to win the title. So there is, you know, Hiromu kind of being embarrassed by losing to Ishimori at Summer Struggle in Jingu on, on one of the biggest shows that they had in the year. So Hiromu wanted to get some revenge. He he beat him in Super Juniors, but now the title's on the lines where it really matters. So I, I think Hiromu getting getting some revenge and beating Ishimori here in the Dome, so my main event. I think that's the way to go. One other thing, too, is I think Karoma is this generation's Liger just based off the booking. And Liger didn't lose Super Juniors just to turn around and drop title opportunities. That motherfucker clinched up those title opportunities. So Hiromu's not about to lose, you know, not about to win a Super Juniors and then lose 
his title shot. Like, it's right. not going to happen, especially not in the Dome. Oh, man, that's bad audio. Next week, I'm going to be so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we have any consideration for LP or we're pretty much, yeah, it's, it's Roma. I mean, I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked, yeah. too. It, I will say this. If they did decide to do that, it could be huge. You know, that's the one thing. We're talking about, like, you know, everything's kind of blase, blase when it comes to the junior division. If they did decide to go with the guy and do something, you know, out of left field and exciting, that would be a huge, like, story and moment and everything like that. Who knows? There's a lot of creative avenues you could go with that, you know, direction. Yeah, I'd, I'd still be surprised if they did that. I'm Me too. I'm just yeah. just exploring all the options, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, he's just making sure it gets recorded so you can come back to it. Right. And yeah, have, so have a no matter what happens. <laughs> Do you guys remember last week when I said ELP was taking this shit? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Sonata Evil, the, the match everyone wants to see. Yeah, big uh, grudge <laughs> match here with former tag team partners, former tag champions. Normally, these guys are in a tag title match at the dome, but with Evil's turn, these guys are facing off of each other. We've seen. The build here, Sonata kind of breaking uh, his kind of cold skull moniker and showing a lot of uh, fury and anger towards evil and just the wild, crazy brawl that they've been having on the Road to Tokyo Dome shows. So a clearly heated personal matchup here. Uh, Sonata participated in the second most matches in New Japan in 2020. That is 87. Yes, 87. Uh Evil participated in matches, indeed, that people talked about a lot. <laughs> I know we did. Um, I, I, I mean, I don't know, man. You know, Sonata, um, he lost every, like, tournament that, like, final that he went to this year. He won no titles this year. Um, you know, there's, there's, like, every time he had an opportunity, he lost. In, when when it really counted and so you know there's probably like that redemption angle where it's like he needs to be evil he's his like former partner he turned on him you know he, he lost his big opportunity against uh you know um zach saber in the dome last year maybe he could turn it around this is his big kicking off party i'm gonna say eh -eh. um you know you don't put a a double crown on a guy in one calendar year and then have him job to a loser at the Tokyo Dome uh, a few months later. So, I mean, I think it's pretty open and shut. Evil's beating Sonata in the Dome to move on and show that he apparently is the Shawn Michaels to Sonata's Marty Jannetty. <laughs> uh, Sonata 10-8 and eight in singles matches in 2020. Evil 13-6. and six. Sonata 6-1 six in the last 90 days. Uh, the one loss being uh, the loss to Ibushi. So uh, Sonata definitely heated up towards the end of the G1. You know, Evil obviously has the losses to, or the loss to Naito um, on, under, under his belt here too. I don't know that there's any path forward for Evil, even if he wins, to, I guess depending on who walks out with the double gold. But, um, you know, if, Evil, if Sonata wins... You know, maybe you could see him making a case to to heat up, or maybe really, you know, stake his claim at New Japan Cup and and maybe get into that 
double gold or IWGP level championship uh, match again. But but here's my um, question about that. To do what? To lose again? I don't know. Because that's that's the deal. Like I don't see Sonata winning this title ever. So it's like what to 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 heat up around April like he does every year just to lose. Like is that his deal? Is hey. he the April guy that just fucking loses? You need you need challengers lined up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm I'm gonna go with Sonata <gasps> as well. Traitor. Hey, here, here's my thinking. Here is the fact that yes, he has lost so many big moments. Evil has had a, a lot of big moments. And winning the New Japan Cup, winning the double titles, being in all these main events with Naito, I feel like evil losing, like, I don't think it's that, that big of a deal because he was a former champion and could be easily thrown into a title match because he was a former champion. That makes sense. Uh, as far as Anada not really having any big accomplishments in 2020, I think beating a former double champion would be great for him and it could, could elevate him. For 2021, it doesn't have to be a double title match. Maybe he, you know, depending on what happens in uh, the next match we'll talk about with Shingo and Cobb, maybe Sonata goes and never, or maybe you have Sonata and Shingo go after the winner, Techers and G.O.D., until you're ready to kind of heat Sonata back up for a singles role. I think there's a lot of options you can go, and I think Sonata versus any of the double gold dash guys makes sense. I think Sonata versus Ibushi. Makes sense. Sonata versus Naito would be intriguing, and Sonata versus Jay White makes sense. So I think uh, he could be a potential yeah double challenger, maybe a Castle Attack or whatever big show after that. I I, I agree with you, except for the fact that it's like it it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense because he's lost so many times in so many title challenges that it, it's just like what to set him up for more failure. Like let let's. Let's really establish the guy before we give him another one of these big quote unquote shots. That's my only. I mean, he he was in the G one final, and he lost, which, and no one was which, talking about it afterwards. Which is, I mean, but that's an that's a, a step towards establishment, without a doubt, to make it to the G one final. To you know, he was the guy that ran. You know, he he had the the big long streak that got him into the G one final. So, I don't I don't think it's, um. I think you're right. Nobody was talking about it, um, but I, I don't think that can be ignored. Yeah, is that he, that he was positioned? You know, he won a block and was in the G1 final. Like that's a big deal. I'm I'm at this point where like I kind of feel like Sonata isn't signed exclusively. I don't think they're as invested in, in him as Evil. I just don't think they are, and I'm pretty sure they're going to put Evil over. Especially since my logic is this. I think we're getting a lot of feel-good stories on the show. A heel's got to win somewhere. Might as well be evil. The guy that they've put all their you know energy behind and given, given these huge moments and these huge title runs and yada yada. I think uh, plus Sonata beat evil in the G1 and like it's time for evil to get his comeuppance. I think that... The things you guys are saying are logical, but I think at the end of the day, I'm going to be right here. <laughs> I think Evil's winning in the Dome because I think that they just have way more invested in him. Yeah, I mean, I could, I could see the match going either way, but I don't know. I'm just feeling Sonata here. Plus, I think Evil against whoever wins makes a lot of sense, too. And Evil has had a lot less title challenge failures. I think he could lose... And maybe that could be the catalyst. He lost two in a row. <laughs> to who? Naito. Naito. 
Yeah, but I'm I'm talking like yeah, but compared to like Sonata, Sonata's lost lots of times, way more than that. Yes. <laughs> two, I mean, two in a row in quick succession, very recently. You cannot. Nobody can justify putting Evil back in an IWGP Heavyweight Championship match. Well, I can because I don't care about the guy, so just job him out, fuck him, and then, <laughs> and then that will set up, you know, and then there will be like a vote of no confidence in him, and that will kind of set up the the like split between him and Jay White. Like you're a fucking loser, you can't win the belt. Well, you didn't win the belt either. All right, well let's just implode. No more Bullet Club. I like that story. <laughs> I don't think Bull Club's going away anytime soon. Oh my god, it needs to. It needs to go away eventually. But uh, it'll change. I think yeah. you're gonna see it. I think you're gonna see an evolution here. Yeah, you know, Jay's been wearing a lot of red, so I think we're gonna get Wolfpack? Bullet, oh Bullet Club Wolfpack. You know, if they do that, that that's a death knell. Don't turn your back on the Wolfpack. <laughs> End up in a body bag. I might have said some outrageous things when it comes to this segment, but the one thing I'm not wrong about: Evil's not losing to Sonata. Well, we'll, we'll find out January 5th. We'll see. And also, here's the thing: no match matters less to me than this match. <laughs> oh, I, I 100%. Well, uh, the women's matches, but other than that, <laughs> Jeremy didn't pop for my joke. Living, Miss Man, living his gimmick. <laughs> I'm just joking. I actually, I would love to watch those matches, but we're not going to be able to. So, yeah. But something we will, we will be able to watch is the never open weight title match between the Dragon Chingo Takagi and the Hatchet Jeff Cobb representing the Empire. My most imp- anticipated match for night two. Yeah, I'm really digging Jeff Cobb as a heel. I, I think he's been uh, more entertaining to watch. I think he's been fitting that kind of big bruiser role. Uh, very well and just been such a monster and I think we're gonna see the story here like we saw in the the Royal Tokyo Dome of Shingo um, not being able to you know easily outpower Cobb and Shingo really having to fight from underneath to uh, get the best of Cobb so Shingo's gonna be kind of coming in as the underdog in this match uh, from the size and power perspective and he's gonna have to work really hard to get Cobb up for that last of the dragon Shingo, the Iron Man of New Japan in 2020 with 88 matches, which is significantly lower than uh, him being the Iron Man in 2019 with, how many was it? Shoot, I had it. 152 matches. So wow. Wrestler um, of the year. <laughs> should have been. Either way, um, you know, Shingo's been a guy who's been dependable. He's been a great, a, you know, really good never champion. He lost it to Suzuki at some point or at a summer struggle and, um, you know, eventually had to fight to get it back. But Shingo Cobb is a match that I think a lot of people have gotten their hopes up for great matches, really competitive matches in the past. And I don't know that they've had the, uh, I don't know that they've had their defining battle and I hope that this is it. Like, that's what I'm looking forward to. I'm not sure how to call this. Um, I think it could go either way, and there's a lot of paths forward. Shingo is not done. 
um, being a champion. Shingo's not done taking on challengers. Cobb hasn't had that opportunity in, in a big way either. And, and I think this new attitude from Jeff Cobb lends himself very well to being um, a really strong champion. And maybe this is his slot. Maybe the never open weight space is, is his slot within the Empire. I think this matchup, I'm gonna think it's, I think it's going to end up being their best New Japan matchup. Uh, with there now being some more story element behind it, with having a clearly defined babyface and heel, and Cobb doing a great uh, job as that heel role, so I think we're gonna have a better story here and end up having a better matchup. Um, I'm going with a title change here. I think Jeff Cobb is going to beat Shingo. We see the never title in the past has been a title that's easily hot potato and can go back and forth, um, and so I think you could, you could have Cobb and Shingo. You know, feuding uh, throughout the first quarter of the year. Also, if you you have Cobb beat Shingo, take the belt off of him, that opens up the potential for Shingo to maybe win New Japan Cup or do something kind of big um, coming up in the beginning part of the year. Shingo winning the New Japan Cup. You're you're, uh, you're saying things that are getting me too excited, Jeremy. Yeah, <laughs> and don't 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 say stuff like that because they're never going to deliver on it. <laughs> um, I, I I pray for that though. Um, yeah. I agree with everything you guys said here. Uh, I don't have much more to add to it. Uh, I thought that the segments that they did where, you know, Jeff Cobb, um, you know, attacked Shingo and stood over him with the belt and left Shingo laying on several occasions um, adds to what you both you mentioned with the story and, you know, them coming to their own, the heel face dynamic. And I think it makes all the sense in the world for Jeff Cobb to, finally get a big singles title here in new japan um they signed the guy they might as well go with him plus there's the empire factor so um i think shingo will be fine i think that this is jeff cobb's moment i think they're gonna have a really really great match in the dome and i'm i'm really looking forward to this one this would only be let's see this would be shingo's nah, never mind this one didn't work out <laughs> thought, I thought I had a good one, but uh, the 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 history of the Never title is really interesting. And when when Jeremy started talking about it bouncing around, I started to look at um, you know what the total defenses for each champion looks like, and and whether Shingo's coming up on Goto's um, current record with seven, but he's um, he's only at three. So yeah, it was like three or four or something like that. Yeah, yeah it, it was three, and that but that was the story of his last reign is that he was coming up on um, if he were to have the fourth defense um that's only tanaka suzuki and ishii have had four defense reigns so this is a title that uh is not defended um consecutively many times yeah so moving on to another title matchup we have the iwgp junior heavyweight tag team titles on the line as Suzuki-gun, the champions el Sparado and yoshinobu kanamaru will defend against the new team of uh, Master Wato and Rusuke Taguchi. We actually have seen these teams do battle four in that little mini uh, junior tag league earlier this year, which Wato and Taguchi did get a fall over the Suzuki-gun team here. And then during the Road to Tokyo Dome, we've seen Wato pin Kanemaru one night, and the following night, Taguchi pin Kanemaru, which really gave them the claim and stakes here to challenge for these tag titles. Uh, I'll start with this. Last year, we saw Rapunga 3K win, right? And then not long after that, we saw them defend against... We saw them defend against some heel teams, but we also saw a really great match with them and the mega coaches. 
And that was because in this division, it's easy to do face versus face uh, matches for the title versus heel versus heel. We've talked many times about how this is a uh, you know a division that is really lacking uh, in terms of competitors, especially with the COVID restrictions. Um, I just think like if you're gonna, they don't really have teams, so they're gonna have to throw people together. And if they're gonna have to throw people together, the team that makes the most sense for me is just Watto and Taguchi. Uh, the the titles. I mean, if if we're talking about hot potato, you know, titles, even more so than the Never Belt is the Junior Tag Titles, and especially at the Tokyo Dome on January fourth and January fifth. I mean, that that title changes hands all the time. Uh, if my memory serves me correctly, so I don't know. It seems like they're really trying to do something with Watto. It's kind of seemed like that, especially in the World Tag League. Um. And I, I don't see why not. Like, what harm does it really do if Kanemaru eats a pinfall, you know? Plus, isn't, um, Kanemaru was gone. Isn't he, like, due to, to like, eat a pin against Watto anyways? Right. Kanemaru beat him at Summer Struggle in Jingu. That's, that's the story right there. Watto's going to pin Kanemaru. So, you know, and then they could do a rematch. And, you know, if they, they could pretty much throw whoever they want to together to fight Taguchi and and Watto later because they're half a comedy team anyway, so it's fine. Yeah, I'm also going with Watto and Taguchi winning here with such little teams. I think these two teams will be probably the main two teams at the beginning part of the year <laughs> to go back and forth. So you have them win here, and then Suzuki can challenge the next show, and then they can just kind of go back and forth with uh, Despi and Kanemaru against Watto and Taguchi until they can uh, bring some more teams in. Yeah. I think Watto needs something to establish him with some credibility. Taguchi needs something to do. No shame in them being the guys that uh, that that carry this belt or these belts for a little bit. I think you're right. They're gonna they'll throw together some juniors that, and uh, I mean maybe you get Ishimori and El Fantasmo if Fantasmo is gonna be around. Um, that's a team that could certainly credibly. Um, challenge for this maybe Yo's healthy and he just gets back together with show I mean I know a lot of people are speculating against that but that's certainly an option um, so yeah I mean I think that I think but I think putting him on Watto gives him something to um, hang his hat on Tiger Mask's out there too yeah, yeah. Tiger Mask is back and then the opener yeah, we have the four-way for the first provisional KLPW 2021 uh, champion. And we have a question here from Grinty Dodds. While we don't know all the participants in the night one Rambo, what is the best-case scenario for the KLPW four-way on night two? I mean, I, I think the best-case scenario is that you have a fun, entertaining opening match. I mean... You know, Wrestle Kingdom is usually one of those shows throughout the year that is universally heralded as a show of the year candidate. It's gotten kind of wonky since they've split the two nights up, and so there's a lot of debate uh, as to whether night one or night two is better. Well, I can tell you the opening match of night one is going to be a banger. (laughs) Uh, Night two, uh, not so much. I'm not totally sure how good this match really can be or will be, so... You know, hopefully, I'm not expecting the world, but hopefully it's, I mean, it's the opening match of the night, so you want it to be good. So the best case scenario is that it's really good. That That's that's it. It's a good opening, you know, 12-minute, 15-minute match. Yeah. Maybe less. 
for me, the best case scenario is that something kind of different comes out of it. It's not just a comedy Yano thing. I think that, you know, there's something to opening up the ability to do stipulation matches, but I, you know, turnbuckle or, or corner pad matches <laughs> like that's That's not a stipulation <laughs> to me. Like, yeah, I'd like, to, I would like to see them do some interesting stuff. And I, I do, I think a guy like Suzuki, I think that helps him. Those types of matches potentially help him actually lengthen his career because they're um, physical in a different way. Um, and I think that, they could do something really interesting if they took it that direction a little bit more serious, but kind of out there still. I don't have a lot of faith that that's what's going to happen because I just don't, I don't see this little trophy being put on that level or on the pedestal, but um, I'd love, but I'd love to see it. I think, I think it could be something really interesting. If hypothetically, like what you're proposing, let's say Suzuki did win. What if Suzuki was like, fuck that. I'm not carrying this little trophy around. And then he brings out the KOPW title belt. You know what I mean? Mm. That would be cool. Or maybe it's a towel that he carries. Like, that just sits on his head. Like, the KOPW title towel. Or it's just like you were saying earlier. Just recognition. Yeah. It's it's a linear thing, right? Right. Like, he, he doesn't need it dopey trophy he doesn't need a belt he doesn't need a towel he's the kopw right i mean he already called himself the king so right right but remember it's linear but also provisional (laughs) but it's linear with an end point (laughs) so yeah i think yeah the best case i would love to see is something a little bit more serious and um a little bit more you know creative than than the last corner pad standing match so but Ultimately, I just want yeah, a, ultimately. Good, a, a good, entertaining matchup, like Josh was saying. Um, and honestly, guys, I, I think Yano <laughs> is winning this. You, you took the words right out of my mouth. I, What I want and what we're getting are two totally different things. I feel very confident that Yano is going to win this again. Uh, and maybe I'm wrong. And I would gladly be wrong, but I think he's going to win. And I think he's going to continue his never-ending K- what if that's like the gimmick what if like he's the never-ending kopw champion you know but, like, remember like <laughs> mil mascaras like carried his own title for like 35 years i think he still like defends it every now and again <laughs> like dos caras has one too like they've got their own world titles that like they own what if that becomes like the deal like yano's just the kopw champion and like in Perpetuity, like forever. And he never drops it. He never drops the shit. Oh my gosh. Could happen. <laughs> uh, like, Chris doesn't even have words. Chris is just like, ah, oh, shit. I mean, I can't analyze the KOPW guys. <laughs> you know Not I mean? as the, no it was the first thing we talked about. I gave my hot take that it should go to Minoru Suzuki, and I didn't think I'd have to come back to it a second time. Yeah, where, where, where are the stats for the, for the KOPW? Oh, I mean, all, they will exist. They do exist. I can I can put them all together, but, I mean, there's only been a couple of matches, and they're both kind of dopey. So so there were, uh, there, were some, uh, there were some talk this past week that there was rumors that you know, we knew that there was going to be a start a match on the pre-show of night two, but there had been some rumors that there had been discussion of two matches. Well, it was confirmed that there will be two dark tag team matches to open up the show. Uh, I know I've watched no stardom this year. Jeremy, I'm pretty sure you've watched no stardom, right? I watched a little bit, far less than I did last year. And I, I can't speak for Chris. Chris, where are you in the stardom spectrum? What's a stardom? 
<laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. I know what it is. I just, yeah, um, it's it's not something that's typically on my radar. All right, let me break this down with what I know, and then I'll leave it to you, Jeremy. All right. Okay, so Donna Del Mondo is this new thing. Uh, it just started this year. Apparently, it's like the hot new like stable. Um, there's some people that are in it. I think Julia is the leader, right? Yep. And I'm I'm guessing that like that hasn't really been confirmed to me, but uh, so it seems like we're getting a. To start off the night, we're getting a Queen's Quest uh, against Donna Del Mondo, six-man tags, AZM. Azumi. Oh, Azumi, my bad. Azumi, Saya Kamatani, and Utami Hayashi Hayashishida uh, against Himeka, Micah, and Natsupoi. I really don't even know who any of these people are, but um, it seems like Queen's Quest is kind of on the way out. They used to be the hot shit. And now, like, Della Del Mon- Donna Del Mondo's kind of taking them over, right? Uh, I R- mean, running them out of town. I don't know if they're running them out of town, but this was definitely a, a great, great year for Donna Del Mondo. Queen's Quest is washed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then the match after that, you got the ace, Mayo Iwatani, and Tam Nakano teaming up against uh, Della Del- Donna Del Mondo, Julia, and Shuri. Which I know all four of those names. Those are big names in the company. Isn't there like a deal between Mayu and Tam? Like, yes, I believe like uh, Tam is left stars and is starting her own faction. Yeah, so that's kind of the story there. There's like a rift between them, but there's still big. And isn't it kind of like amicable, but not really like right? It's not like they turn on each other, but Tam just wanted to do her own thing. Like Mayu doesn't want her to leave, but Tam's leaving anyways. But they're kind of amicable, but like. There's definitely issues because, like, Mayu does not want her to leave. Right. That's what I understand. And, you know, Julia is, like, all the all the boys love, love, love Julia. And her and Shuri are here to fuck up shit. So, and we're not going to be able to see any of this anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> and which sucks. Which I hope that it ends up on what? Uh, what's Stardom streaming service? Stardom World. Yeah, I hope it ends up on Stardom World. Last year's match did not. And uh, so who knows? We might not be able to see this. But, uh, Yeah. It's funny, though, the whole narrative about them, uh, you know, not announcing any women's matches for, for, you know, the Tokyo Dome. That all quieted down real quick, and I, I haven't heard any, any anything about people looking forward to seeing this shit. <laughs> it's, uh, we, it's weird how a narrative changes so quickly. Yeah, you know how you know how Twitter works, man. Man, there was, so, there was outrage. I saw outrage. <laughs> Where are the women's matches? Well, here they are. Uh, and still not gonna be able to see them. Well, if, if, if you watched the company, you would have known they w- they're not allowed to air it. I mean, it's like it's almost like it's almost like they don't watch it and they just wanted to have a narrative. It's weird. Uh, we had a few other questions here uh, from Broken Mug sixty four. He said, first, what is Haku's problem?" <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we ever learned what was Haku's problem. He says, "What do you who do you think will win Double Gold Gas two Which we already answered. We think Ibushi. Is winning that uh, third question? Do you think the Empire should win all their matches at Wrestle Kingdom to assert their dominance? Uh, I will say, I, I that was originally what I was leaning towards, and I could see it happening for sure. Um, but I, I'm thinking not necessarily. I think uh, honestly, I think a lot of it just falls on Will. In my personal opinion, I think it lives and dies with him. I think we'll know if. That's gonna happen if Will. Well, yeah, if Will wins, I don't know. I mean, because Okan's gonna have to start it, Cobb's gonna have to finish it, and Will's actually got the middle match then. 
when it comes to like you know putting them in order should they yeah probably i mean like if they're going to be a dominant group uh, especially with those three they should they should absolutely win all their matches i think that's what they're going to try to do um will they i i don't know i have a tough time thinking that they're going to get that level of confidence right now the, the, like instilled in them the thing is could the, is there a scenario where they could end up being dominant and will wins or i'm sorry will loses yes but if will won and everybody else loses i think they're still good and so i think the most important match regardless is will and and uh, okada yeah i agree with you i think yeah if will wins the whole faction can still come off strong um yeah, it would it would look kind of weird if Ocon and Cobb both won and then Will didn't win. Um, but yeah, I think either if they want Empire to be strong, have Will win, or just have all three of them win. Uh, moving on to the next question here from Ricky. He says, which match on either night are you looking forward to the most? Um, well, for me, for either night? Yep. Uh, the, the match I'm most looking forward to is... Um, Will Ospreay versus Kazushiko Okada, not only for the in-ring standpoint, and let's be very clear here. Um, you brought up a great point there, Chris, when you mentioned we don't really know from an in-ring standpoint what the top end level of like, and I'm kind of paraphrasing, but like where Will is physically, you know, kind of being in this big boy division. We saw uh, uh, some semblance of it in the G1, but it's very clear we haven't seen his high-end level stuff to the same level as we saw like let's say when he was a junior but is there a possibility that they could go out there and have an okada omega level match with the talents involved yes there absolutely is that prospect on the table and that's the only match i see for either night that has that kind of level of prospect so that's the match i'm most excited about but not just from the talent standpoint from the long-term story standpoint we've been waiting for a new stable to show up and i think a lot of the success of new japan is going to be dependent on how successful the empire is i'm not saying like everything lives and dies by them but i mean it's been a long time since we had a, a new stable it's been a long time since we had something that was this exciting and if it flops okay we'll go back to the drawing board but if it's a success it could do huge business, which is a big deal, and it could open up so many story avenues, so many different you know title opportunities for different individuals. I think that that's something that is way more exciting to me than who's winning the double gold dash. To be totally transparent, so yeah, that's that's the story I'm most um, you know engrossed by. By you, Chris. Uh, Okan Tanahashi, I'm just so intrigued by. <laughs> So I yes. just, I like, I don't know. I don't really know what it's going to be, what it's going to mean, but I think it's going to set up what the rest of the empire um, matches are going to look like. And I, I am, I'm just, I'm very intrigued by the match and I, I want to be, I really desperately want to be right about that one, that it's going to be awesome. That, that Okan's going to look good. I, regardless of the result, you know, Tanahashi in the dome, hard to bet against him. Right. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so very much looking forward to that. Um, cause I think it's going to show, it's going to tell us a lot about where we're headed. I agree. I think that's a great pick. <laughs> uh, I'm really looking forward to Abushi versus Naito. 
uh, I, those guys have wild and crazy matches, and I feel like it's going to be the first time in a long time that we've gotten an IWGP title match that feels the level to, to you know quote Kuzco Okada the level of IWGP title match. Uh, I think it's going to start the year off great with uh, title matches, and yeah, it's going to have amazing chemistry. So I'm really looking forward to that that closing. Nice. Uh, next question's here from Muzza. What are the chances of the Empire winning all their matches, and has this ever happened in Wrestle Kingdom where a faction won all their matches at Wrestle Kingdom or any January 4th show? I feel like I should know the answer to that. <laughs> didn't didn't LIJ win all their matches last last year? No. They have also well, not a loss to Sabria. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know the answer to this, but I'm going to tell you based off of um, just the statistics I'm running in my head. No, no faction has ever done that because I mean, think about it. Like what are the chances a faction has ever won every single match at Wrestle Kingdom, especially I mean, on bigger cards with like yeah, 12 matches. And it's highly unlikely, especially, and let's be technical here. Let's include those Rambos and those, uh, you know, gauntlets. Pro- I mean, I, I think uh, the statistics are on my side. No, no one's ever done that. Probably, and 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 if someone did do it, who cares? It's really not that impressive of a stat. I mean, three matches. It's not that big a deal. It is kind of cool, but it's not like they're the one faction that won all their matches at Wrestle. No one cares about that stat. It's not a good stat. But I, I do think the Empire does have a good chance of winning all three of their matches, though. Sure. The most chaos. Had a really good night in Wrestle Kingdom 12. Did they do them all? Uh, so they won the Never Gauntlet. They won uh, Goto beat Suzuki for Never Openweight. Osprey won right. the Junior Heavyweight. And Okada won the Heavyweight over Naito. And they weren't in... Oh... <laughs> Rapongi 3K lost the junior heavyweight championship match to the Young Bucks. Remember that was yeah. that was around the time when Jay White the next month he won the US belt and then all of Chaos, you know, had all the belts and they took the photo that was really famous. Do you remember that? Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Rapongi 3K dropping yeah. dropping the ball there. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's a good that was a good night for Chaos, but that's still not every, everything. Jay White also lost to Tanahashi that night too. So, yeah. um close that's hey that's probably about as close as it comes uh, as far as i'm like thumbing through here muzza said what is your low-key favorite match of wrestle kingdom his is sonata evil despite evil's lack of good matches recently well that is not my low-key favorite match of wrestle kingdom (laughs) um i mean i think the the real answer here is the rambo i fucking love the rambo uh it's been a long time since we got one and i think it's one of the funnest things but uh Aside from like low key, if I'm being serious, uh, it's probably the answer that Chris gave. I had Tanahashi and Okan. That's the I'm really looking forward to that. I think we all know what my low key favorite's going to oh be. God. I'm <laughs> looking forward to uh, Kojima versus Kenta. Bro, you gotta wear your uh, the you gotta wear the Kojima shirt I bought you. Yeah, I'm gonna wear that. I'm gonna be eating a piece of bread and. <laughs> You know, just hoping and, and praying. Some dry ass white bread, <laughs> yeah. bro. You gotta get a loaf of fucking Wonder Bread and just be like, 
hammering Wonder Bread. You could eat the whole thing over the course of the what, 12 to 15 minute match. Yes. You can't it, toast it either. You got to eat it nope. raw. <laughs> and, no and, butter. It, it hopes it hopes that uh, yeah, Kojima pulls up the offset and just, you know, catches Kento with the strongest arm. And we, we got a briefcase change at the dome. And, you know, we, we, we set up Kento versus Mox because Mox fears, Kent, or fears uh, Kojima. Awesome. Did you have a low-key uh, favorite, Chris? I mean, I guess my, I mean, Okan and, and Tanahashi, I guess that's low-key, but I th- I think El Phantasmo Hiromu, if I've got oh, yeah. to mm. pick something else, that's going to be a banger. Yeah. Um, regardless, especially if Phantasmo doesn't lean so heavy towards, you know, his everything he did in the Super J Cup, if Hiromu can, like, kind of offset that, that's going to be a really fun match, and I think it's going to really set up the the two nights and what we're going to see. And I think that they're going to get the crowd as involved as they possibly can and really engaged, you know, whatever that may look like in a limited capacity, you know, potentially different setup for the dome. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that, you know, the first match on wrestle kingdom is always um, something to see because you're, you're kind of even watching it on a screen, you're taking it all in. So um, that's uh, yeah, that's, that's my jam right there. Nice. Well, that th- those are all the questions. That is the preview. We I think we did a really good job here uh, in a timely manner. Yeah. So just have a few uh, news items here that we'll run through pretty quickly here. So we had um, we kind of mentioned it in in talking in the preview here. New Japan is going to be heading to Osaka Joe Hall for a new event, February twenty twenty one, called Castle Attack, which will be a two night event at Osaka Joe Hall. In Osaka, Japan, in February, night one will take place on Saturday, February 27th, and night two will take place on Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday, February 28th. And the the Road to Castle Attack Tour begins four nights at Corken Hall in Tokyo from February 14th to 17th. Uh, something else that we mentioned that we um, didn't get to cover last week, Toriano defeated Bad Luck Fale in the Body Slam or Last Corner Pad match at the Road to Tokyo Dome show to become the... KOPW 2020 champion. We had uh, CEO Sugibayashi knowing that since they've restarted a regular schedule, there have been more than 100,000 paying spectators at shows, and there has not been one transmitted case of COVID stemming from a New Japan event. Well, reported. Let's be let's be fair. Re- you know, reported through right. contact tracing. It's not that it's not happened. It's definitely possible one could could have happened. Right, but yeah, through the contact tracing, a New Japan event has not been to blame for a case of COVID. Which is, I mean, beyond impressive. Yeah. Uh, we also had the return of the New Japan Concorso, the bodybuilding contest. Very disappointed there was no Peter um, in the contest this year. They announced uh, the winner, didn't they? They did? They did, yeah. yeah. It was Kota Ibushi. It's oh, Kota Ibushi. Well, there you go. Which, uh, I don't know, man. Triple gold dash. Come, come on. <laughs> show was so fucking ripped out there. It, it's pretty ripped. It needed to be show. Who won it last year? Was it show? I think it was. I thought Peter won last year, didn't no, he? Uh, come on, no. It's it, This is a real serious competition. <laughs> Only in your heart. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think they gave Tanahashi and... Ishimori like second and third place. Yeah, show didn't even place, but he won it last year, which leads me to believe that this thing is rigged because he's in better shape this year than he was last year. Are you saying this will work? Uh, I believe it might be. <laughs> uh, something's not on the up and up. It's not right. 
Uh, last thing here, the free match of the week is the IC title match: Kota Ibushi versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Wrestling Kingdom Nine, in Tokyo Dome. It's free on YouTube and New Japan World. It's mid. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> <laughs> it's only one of the greatest matches in the history of not just New Japan but wrestling in general. Yeah. <laughs> it's the match that changed my life. Like I saw that match and I was like, "This is my shit. I'm in. Let's go." Well, I'm gonna send you my match from uh, my my training match from a few weeks ago, and that was. It's probably gonna change my life somehow. <laughs> I'll run your numbers. <laughs> oh yeah, let me send it to you. <laughs> How much time was he on offense? Thirty seconds. How much time was he on defense? Six minutes the and rest. forty-five seconds. <laughs> Josh Smith is zero and one in. Matches. <laughs> Josh Smith was two for two in, st- in attempted strikes. <laughs> he was zero and two for pinfalls. <laughs> but he tried. All right, we have some a uh, few quick questions here that we could run to and then get to the recommended match of the week. A uh, question from Rambo and Slam Pig: With the untimely passing of Brody Lee, we'll never get a chance to see him work a NJPW tour. If he was able to do so, who would you most have wanted to see him match up with? Tomohiro Ishii easily. That that's always been the match I wanted to see him have. Uh, to be fair, that's the match I want everybody to have. <laughs> so it's kind of the like you know cheat all answer, but that's the one. By you, Chris. I think a Jay White match could have been really good. Hmm. I think complimentary styles there. I'm gonna go with Will Osprey. I don't think those guys have ever wrestled each other and. We've seen what Osprey did with Archer um, before Archer left the company. I think that big man, little man uh, dynamic, even though Osprey's a little bit bigger now, I still think that could be a great dynamic. And he also asks, what was your favorite Tokyo Dome main event to date? Oh, that's a really tough question. Um, I think for me, man, it's really tough. There's so many. I... I'm going to say Wrestle Kingdom 10, Tanahashi and Okada when Okada finally beat Tanahashi and, like, you know, ascended and really became the ace. Uh, man, that's tough. Shoot. I mean, I want to go Okada, Tanahashi 9 because that I one's love so good. The tragedy. Yeah, there's nothing. And, and, and where it ended up, you know, I mean, yeah. like knowing where it goes from there, it's that's such a moment. Okada getting carried out and crying and yeah. Tanahashi telling him he's still not on his level is like all time. Yeah, that was a great moment uh, for me. I'm going with Omega, Omega and Okada. Okada from Wrestle Kingdom 11. Just the, Can't go the, wrong. the start of yeah. a series of just some of the best matches I've ever seen. So could go with that. I mean, I, I dude, Tanahashi Muto. Is up there. There's there's so many. They're all up there. Yeah. I mean, they, Tanahashi I mean, and Nakamura. Like, show me a bad Wrestle Kingdom or Tokyo Dome main event. Like, it's tough. Those are tough to find. I can find <laughs> one, but it's going to be pre Wrestle Kingdom. I I believe uh, most of the Wrestle Kingdoms have been pretty good, except for maybe like the first one, which was that weird tag match. Oh yeah, that was weird. Uh, next question here from uh, Maserati says, "What safeguards will you imp- implement next year that prevents outcomes in the voting to occur, such as Naito winning Fighting Spirit Award, such as mo- must not wrestle in a T-shirt this percentage <laughs> of their matches?" 
We did make a joke where we said uh, next year it's not going to be open voting. It's going to be like closed voting where you have to listen to the show and basically reach out to us and request a ballot and we will privately send you one. But we're not going to actually do that. We're going to do the same shit because your guys' voices were heard and I I think that the right people won even if I disagree with like 80% of our votes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, question from Stellberger Bun. He said, since you've already answered every variant of what's going to happen, Earthle Kingdom question there is, where would you take Yoshihashi on a first date and why? Well, I would take Yoshihashi on the same to the exact same same places that I take all my first dates because they're always great and he deserves the best. So um, that would be roller skating at Astro Skate. Afterwards, we would, uh, I don't know, Catch a drive-in movie theater together. <laughs> Why are you laughing? There's some Starbucks on the way. You know? Uh, stop at the Dollar Tree, and uh, I would tell him that he can get as much candy as he wants because it's a dollar, which always goes over well. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> you know, head back to my place. Oh, man. You know, Chris Kate, can you... Night, can- nightcap. <laughs> Listen... I wouldn't take Yoshihashi anywhere <laughs> on a first date because I'm a married man. Mm. But I would invite Yoshihashi over because he is quite the winner in a trio. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm thinking that nothing, no pop for that. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> he, he is he he is the trio. <laughs> um, I think I'll just I'll take him to uh, you know. Everybody's favorite restaurant in Japan, TGIF Fridays. <laughs> After he, uh, you know, has a great performance in the Rambo, I treat him to some apps. Uh, I take, take him to Clearwater Beach, <laughs> brother. <laughs> uh, next question here from Dom Homie 101. He says, I was recently listening to the Joe Button podcast, and there was a conversation about where music is going and what will music industry look like in the next two to four years. So I have a similar question about wrestling. Where do you guys see the whole wrestling industry going? What will the, the wrestling industry look like? Who will be the top star of the industry? Who will still be a part-time in the business? Will there still be a part-time in the business? Which companies have, will have high periods and which companies will go through low periods? Will we see another major company come to light? Will even be will there even be an indie scene? Will we see more wrestlers going Hollywood? That's an awesome question, honestly. And I'm not just saying that, like, you know, panderingly. It actually is. But uh, to be fair, that is like a whole podcast. Right, yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge question. <laughs> yeah, I think we could. That's do- a huge question. It's an awesome question. You're right. So I'll, I'll give a brief a brief overview. So my my background is in the music industry. Oh, um, I was a I was a touring musician for a long time. So, it, it, kind of when the music industry was transitioning between uh, physical and digital media, and you know between really music being just the avenue of getting your name out there versus being the thing that actually paid your bills, wrestling headed it has has been heading in the same direction in, in a certain in 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 certain ways but Correct. i it's very slowly because yeah. wrestling is still very much the old guard right so you know the the question that sticks out to me is will there even be an indie scene 
And I think that answer is always going to be yes, because there's always going to be counterculture within any community. And I think that that's what the indie scene serves as. And it also gives people opportunity who haven't necessarily established themselves you know, there has to be some semblance of an indie scene because not everyone's going to get booked on dark or strong. <laughs> I right? don't know, man. So, there, like, there's, there's, there's like 13 matches on first. dark. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree with you there, Chris. Um, I think that those are some great observations. I will, I, I can't answer all of this, and I, I don't like to pretend to know what any one company is going to do, but the one thing I think is. <sighs> Probably what's heading like for the future is the corporation of wrestling. You know, um, I know for the most part, like the major corporate players have, you know, for the most part been Titan Sports and maybe Bushi Road in the past couple years. But with the way that everything is moving more towards digital, and, you know, at this point, I would say the WWE Network is pretty much a failed experiment, but it's very clear that things are moving towards towards uh, streaming and digitalization. And really it's about creating content and providing that for people. And ultimately that's what the wrestling industry is going to live and die by right now. It's all based on TV rights and ad revenue and everything like that. And we're already seeing what cyber agent is doing. Uh, we're, we've seen the rise of AEW. I think that these big players are pretty much put, getting their foothold now. And I think it's going to be hard for anyone else to get a foothold but it's going to come down to who can offer a product that people are willing to pay for, you know, and that's something that a lot of companies haven't been able to do. Um, like namely you say impact, they were never able to convert their audience in the past. It, I think AEW is doing an okay job of it. They're converting about like, a, I don't know, a hundred, 150 people in the pay-per-view. But um, I think long-term streaming is where, everything is going and someone's got to figure that out. And Vince hasn't figured it out and new Japan hasn't figured it out and someone's going to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. And when they do, I think they're going to corner the market and uh, it's, it remains to be seen. Um, and the part of this question that I'll touch on real quickly. Yes. We'll see more wrestlers going to Hollywood. Yes. I think we will be seeing, there's a lot less bumps to take in Hollywood and I think people are realizing what their star powers are. We've seen Sasha Banks this year um, in The Mandalorian. We've seen Roman Reigns in um, the that Fast and Furious spinoff with uh, Rock and Jason Satham. Um, so I do think we will see as guys kind of hit their peaks in WWE. I think you know they'll tr transition to try and follow the Rock's game plan, transition over into Hollywood. There's a, a lot more money to be made there, and it's a lot less dangerous. Yeah, that's a tough question. I wish we could do a whole podcast on it. Um, but we got one last question from uh, Maple Leaf Wrestling History Podcast. Shout out to those guys. Uh, he asked, I've recently found out about Dynamite Kid, Bruiser Brody, Tajiri, and Nakamura all having biographies that are not in English. So I was wondering if any of you guys could give me some Pearl Book recommendations, please. Well, I mean, I think the books that Chris Charlton does are, are excellent. You know, there's, there's Eggshells and Lion's Pride. I think those are great. Uh, Chris right there holding up the Eggshells egg book right there. Uh, those are two great pure books that I, I would recommend. 
Yeah, the Young Bucks book, the Kenny Omega book. Those are really good pearl <laughs> books. <laughs> no, I'm just I've heard that I've heard the Young Bucks book has a lot of good stories from Japan. No, yeah. Um I, I've actually heard that that book's very good. To be honest with you, I, I I don't know that much about like autobiographies or anything like that from Japan. The one that I've heard people tell me was very good is one that you mentioned there, the Nakamura book is supposed to be very, very good. And I think they recently, they were working on, or maybe they did release it in English, like English transit translation. So, but um, I think I've also heard Dynamite Kids book is good, but I, I, I'm not too familiar. I wish, you know, I don't know. We only have so much time to, to, to watch all this stuff. It's hard to read all of it too. Yeah. Um, Todd Martin at PW Torch, he does all of their book reviews and he i mean and he does a lot of book reviews so if you if you google todd martin pw torch um you'll find his book um review list and he just puts he doesn't like rank them he just puts them in tiers so like top tier second tier third tier i would thumb through that as as a guideline very potentially there's some um you know japanese wrestling you know resources in there if not it's really just a great a great list and he has you know he has pretty good taste i also would recommend the voices of wrestling year and new japan oh my god e-book. what am i doing <laughs> <laughs> which chris and i will both have work featured in here's, uh, here's the reason i don't care about that because i'm not getting any money out of it because i didn't uh contribute in any way so i don't care but I know, I know you guys are shills for yourself, so. <laughs> yeah, so you can check out, yeah, the Voice Wrestling year-end ebook. Tons of great stuff there. No, seriously, though, in all seriousness, the, the New Japan year-end uh, ebook, every year that they put it out, it's so phenomenal, not only because of all the records and all of the, you the know, stats. stats and everything like that, but you also have all of these really impassioned and awesome, um, you know, essays that people within you know the fandom and and the community have written and every single ebook that they put out that they've ever put out there it's still available and they're you know they do ask that you uh you can get them for free if you like to but they ask you know that you give what you think is fair when you download them so i mean they're all available i would recommend that you get all of them honestly because they're really good resources they're very factually accurate so if you're ever needing like a uh, almost like an encyclopedia or like a reference work when it comes to new japan i mean you're not going to find a compiled work better than than the new japan year end ebook yeah yeah i mean i can attest we put a ton of work into that ebook to make sure everything's as right as it possibly can be not just from the stats perspective but from the biographies that they write about everyone's year um you know all the contributors are awesome all the essays are great i will say that this year's this year's ebook is a little less of a fan service book it's a little more um there there are more pieces that are critical and I think that that's important. Um, I think it's important that we, you know, that, that Voices of Wrestling is able to kind of look at things in a way that really represents the fan base and the voices of this of this past year. So, um, and the forward this year from John Moxley, it's phenomenal. 
um it's phenomenal it's you know just to see john moxley write a foreword for for a book is 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 kind of cool because if you know anything about him he's not much a writer he's not he's not much for many words but um he did a really nice job i'm really excited for people to get their hands on it and, and take a look at it one last thing um kyle there was a book i forgot about it and i just remembered it um i think you, i've never read it but i've heard good things it's called japan the Ricky Dozen years, 1951 to 1963, based on what you do. I think that's something that might be right up your alley. Uh, I think it's on Amazon, so, you know, check it out. I'm not personally endorsing it, but I am telling you I've heard good things about it. Nice. Well, last thing we have here is the recommended match of the week. Uh, last week we had Rich Krejci on, and he recommended for us to watch Tanahashi vs. Okada from Invasion Attack 2013. Um Watch it before we record here And just, yeah, it's an awesome match Like we said, you can't go wrong with Okada, Tanahashi Just such great storytelling there Tanahashi working over the Rainmaker arm Attacking the arm throughout the match Okada attacking Tanahashi's head and neck um, Using his various Yave submissions there Using the red ink submission um, And really working over uh, the neck of Okada Until finally uh, being able to hit the Rainmaker And, get, and regain the title I love this match series. It's my favorite feud in the history of New Japan. And uh, this may be, uh, it's not my favorite match of theirs necessarily, but it's right up there. I think it's a five star match. And, you know, like you mentioned, the attack on the arm, uh, so much played into the previous encounters, especially the previous match they had just had at Wrestle Kingdom 7 that year, which is also another incredible Wrestle Kingdom main event. And, um, you know, at this point, like Okada scouting every single big Tanahashi move, learning from the mistakes that he made in the Tokyo Dome and, you know, basically having every single one of those those big mo- uh, moves and moments of Tanahashi like ready to be countered. And then Tanahashi kind of abandoning the different strategies that he'd used against Okada in the previous matches. And instead of going after the leg, let's say, he decided to go after that Rainmaker arm like you mentioned. And that was like his whole focus his whole sole purpose and i mean he destroyed that arm and okada just does a masterful job selling the arm all throughout the match and like it 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 tells such a compelling story and ultimately like it doesn't matter like how great tanahashi is doesn't matter how high he's riding like the the greatness of okada cannot be denied on this night and he still cleanly overcomes all the odds and you know, puts Tanahashi down with the Rainmaker. But also, I think this is the first time anybody kicked out of a Rainmaker. I could be wrong on that, but I think it was the first time. And that was like a... I mean, the, the crowd fucking erupted, like, so hard seeing Tanahashi kick out of that Rainmaker, which was like, you know, now people kick out of it, you know, every once... Well, who knows? It's been gone for a while, so who knows when it comes back. But, you know, for a while, people were kicking out of it. But now, who knows, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, this match is incredible. It was a great recommendation, and uh, if you've never seen it, I, I recommend this match as well as the rest of the uh, Tanahashi Okada series. You, it, it, it's recommended viewing. And now Chris will give us our recommended match of the week for this week. Yeah, I'm going to go with a really awesome 
mid-card Wrestle Kingdom match, I'm going to go with Hiroki Goto versus Minoru Suzuki from Wrestle Kingdom yeah. 12 in a hair versus hair, no seconds death match. Because I think it was <laughs> awesome. I think the end of the match was cool. I think the result was, was really cool. Um, and I think that it speaks to the level of matches you can anticipate from Wrestle Kingdom. I haven't seen this. I literally haven't seen this match since Wrestle Kingdom 12 when I watched it live. Um, because I didn't need to because the imagery was so like vivid, like, you know, and vibrant in my head and like, it's still there. And, um, yeah, like I can't wait to watch it again. I, I, I hope it still holds up. I, I, I love that match. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's a good one. I've gone back to wrestle kingdom 12 a couple times just to have something on while I plug stuff in. And, and it's, it's, it is one of my favorite cards. And I, every, every time that, the end of that match rolls around i'm captivated by the whole the whole situation so the, the only thing i don't like about the match is the hangman spot like clearly like <laughs> <laughs> clearly this man was dead <laughs> uh, oh, but we'll yeah. give you guys our review next week and uh yeah that is going to do it um you know i apologize to everybody last week we had a four-hour show i don't know what happened there but um thank you guys for returning and this is always like one of our most listened to uh shows of the year chris thank you so much for coming on i think uh you've got some stuff to plug and everything like that right uh you know just sport of wrestling.com and of course that njpw ebook because that lines my pockets for the year um but yeah those are i'll keep it i'll keep it short and sweet obviously twitter the chris samsa and you can hear my work um via the voice of kevin kelly hopefully during wrestle kingdom if uh if i can come up with some interesting stuff but i think i've workshopped enough uh tonight that i think i'm gonna have some stuff to to send along nice sounds good man thanks so much for coming on again next week we'll be back to Review both nights of Wrestle Kingdom 15 if you enjoy. (laughs) Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a donation. You can visit socialsuplex.com/slash/donate. Click on that donate button under the Keeping Strong Style logo. Make sure to connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at ki strong style. The network's at social suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L Donovan. On Facebook, we are facebook.com slash social suplex. You can join us in the Wrestling Sports Circle Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash wrestling sports circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the Pro Black Guy. I'm just keeping it strong style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Nation Radio, it's by Rich Latta and James Boyd. We have the Rookie and Clyde Wrestling Show from Scotland. We have the Grave Consequences podcast of Caleb and Maserati. We have the 8-Bit Suplex with Josh Number 2 and Sandy. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. And the Great Match Generator with Danny and Beast Mike. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Wrestle Kingdom season. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets 
if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.